Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds argue with each other. <laughs> All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>uh, yeah, this won't come out until, hey, uh, well, I kind of ruined the next thing I was going to do and say, happy one week till Christmas. Yay. And I was going to do a whole like, hey, Todd, have you gotten all your Christmas shopping? <laughs> Go ahead and do it anyways. Why not? Fuck it. Uh, pretend we didn't say happy Christmas. Sure, sure, sure. Day. So, Todd, here we are. Yes, a yes. week before uh, Christmas Eve, <laughs> December 17th. Wow. And, Boy, the, the, um, the time has flown. The time has flown. It's almost like it's like um. It feels like it's a month later than it is. Yeah, it feels like we're uh, in the beginning of November still. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you got all your Christmas shopping done? I do not. How about you? <laughs> Wait, are you talking now or December? Oh no, 17th? I'm confident that at that point I will not have it done either. So <laughs> my answer stands. Your answer stands. I'm 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 almost done. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest with you. A little peek behind the curtain. Uh, I had a fabulous Christmas gift for you this year, and I have fallen victim. Facebook, oh, that no. damn algorithm, has my number. It keeps showing me those ads for these things that I know I'm going to buy, and I clicked on one, and it was a seller from China, which I have no mm. boat. I have you know no problem with China. Or it's well, no, I'm sorry, I have no problem from with China the people of China. On Facebook. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. shocker, this thing that I ordered back in August never showed up. And after multiple attempts <sighs> to the company, uh, multiple attempts to contact them and their assurance that they would be giving me a refund, they did not. So I'm sitting in a PayPal dispute, which is unfortunate because it was a 
perfect Christmas gift for you that you will not get now. So now I have to think of something yeah, I will else. Not get it. Don't even tell me. I won't. <laughs> I won't. Uh, your Christmas gift is sitting in the other room. Is it really? Damn it. See? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> All right. See, now I got to scramble because I because I'm like, August, perfect time to get Casey's Christmas gift. Sure. I believe that is when I got this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, actually, I do have the most important gift I get. So Aubrey and I are at the point, you know, we've been together 18 years, almost 19 years. Uh, Bragging. Yeah. We're at the point where, and we're adults. And, you know, we have achieved a modicum of success. I'm grateful for all that. But all that means, like, neither she nor I need anything, right? Like, if there's something we need or even kind of want, we probably have it during the course of the year. So she's – plus, she owns Wittywicks, which – Right. She has a successful business because she has such style and taste. All the things in the store are things that she would use, wear, buy, uh, own – and so if she likes it at the store, she's already bought it for herself. So the, I can't buy it for her there. So here's where I focus my efforts. And I'm curious if you do as a long married man as well. Yes. I've given up on trying to buy her a gift from me. It's not going to, I mean, like I'll get her stuff, but I'm not like, I'm, none of my creative efforts are going there because I'm not going to succeed. What I do focus on is making sure the boys get her a great gift. And that gift is already here and it is in hiding in Joseph's closet, Joseph's closet right now, uh, awaiting the Christmas holiday. Oh, um, I have already bought Danny's, one of Danny's. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, I, I'm such a planner or a header in, in this way. I have not always been, but I'm trying to be better. Uh, Hassan Min, Minhaj, is that how you say his name? Uh, yes. Uh, the comedian? Yes. He's coming to Syracuse in January. Okay. And I bought it for her for her birthday, which was back in August. Nice. Nice. Unfortunately, she saw the tickets in June because she went <laughs> onto the credit card that we bought. She goes, what is this charge to the landmark? And I was like, uh, happy birthday. We're here to see awesome. No, no, it's not, it's not even Christmas. Oh. Like, I planned birthday for January. Got, you know. got it, got it, got it, got yeah, yeah. it. Oh, boy. We actually just uh, we just came from Witty Wicks. Did you really? We went to get uh, uh, the bean for some bizarre reason, um, which I'm not mad about. It was like, let's go get frozen yogurt for dessert. I'm like, okay, In, let's do this thing. Yeah. Uh, did you know that Sweet Frog is a super Christian company? I have heard that, yes. <laughs> Follow something. Some Frog is an is a, 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 a anagram for something to do with God. Did not know that. Okay. All right <laughs> yeah, right out of the wall. I was like, what the fuck? Okay, that's probably getting cut. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's bizarre that a that a frozen yoga company has like a, a Christian base to them. Nothing. I'm not saying anything positive or negative about it. I'm just saying. You know, I treat other people's religion the way I treat their genitals. Unless I'm very, very close to you, I'd prefer not to be aware of them and that you'd keep them to yourself. Bingo. <laughs> I think uh, there's a there's an actor. Um, I forgot his name. It doesn't matter. But on Facebook, you know, back in the day, we all put everything. And one of the things is uh, religion. And he put, no, thank you. I'm allergic. <laughs> nice. That's funny. Like, it's, it's funny. Uh, but then we wandered over to Wittywicks. Uh, the bear wanted to take a little walk. And we didn't want to bring him in there because, you know, bull in a china shop. <laughs> right. <laughs> he had a tendency to grab everything. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> 
The Bean very much enjoyed the cocktail napkins that Aubrey has there that says zero fucks given and <laughs> I need a cocktail, hold the tail. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it oh no, it was hilarious because she's like, can these be out? I'm like, they can be out. It's, an, yeah. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. That's right. <laughs> we grew up in the era of Spencer's. It doesn't yeah. have to be hidden in the oh, back yeah, anymore. Exactly. You need a boob hat? <laughs> we got them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that sign. Boobs. Now that you're looking, yeah, <laughs> she's got some really funny signs. Well, um, thank you for supporting. But uh, we're not local businesses. Thank you. Yeah, of course. She uh, the bean bought a um, a bracelet. She's very much into beaded bracelets. She bought them with a little dragonfly on it. Oh, how sweet! Excellent. Yeah, very cool. So, um, but we're not here to talk about Christmas, even though it's seven days away. That's from, right. From now, we're here to talk about a Christmas movie, a movie about <laughs> family and ants. Redemption. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Uh, but you know that is a great that is Ant Man. That is a great segue to another business located in that same plaza as Sweet Frog and oh, Witty Wicks. Hey. Well, of course, since we are guys with beers talking about movies with capes, what are we drinking? So we are drinking a beer. Uh, I'm positive. Ooh, I sh- usually look this up ahead of time. It's a brewery that we do. We have drank before. Age of Ultron. We did it for the last Marvel movie. It was the something bought nine thousand. Oh, was it? Fruit oh. bought nine thousand. Wasn't that Casey? Mm, Casey? I don't think so. Hold on. Yeah, out of Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, yes. Was it Age of Ultron? Hold on. Yes, it was. Stand by one moment. I'm bringing up my notes. Yes. Well, Casey, you are 100% correct. Uh, As we previously drank, Kings County Brewers Collective from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, again today, are we drinking one of their fine beers? As I'm sure we said in Age of Ultron, their 15-barrel production brewery plus taproom is located in a 5,000-square-foot warehouse at 381 Troutman Street in Bushwick, Brooklyn just a half block from the Jefferson stop on the L train. KCBC is the first brick and mortar brewery to operate in the new in the neighborhood in more than 40 years. So mm. this fine beer, as so many of our beers, comes with from our friends at Branching Out Bottle Shop in Township yep. 5 here in the greater Syracuse, New York area. Uh, and, you know, this is, a, again, like so many movies, a lot of themes to work on. Walked in. Easy pick. I saw it. Yep. That's what we're drinking. So we are drinking, uh, you know, I feel like the, the subtext of the beer themes this season is sours. Like we've, we have drank a, a lot, lot of, of sours. sours. Yeah. Um, Big sours are becoming the new IPA. They, they 100% are. So I think we're just yeah. riding the crest of uh, the zeitgeist, if that's what it is. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, so this evening, we are drinking KCBC's Bug Hug. It is their <laughs> fruited sour. It is a strawberry watermelon lime sour, 5.2% alcohol by volume. It has a soft peachy pink haze in the glass and jam-packed with fruit, juicy strawberry, ripe watermelon, and fresh lime. It is tangy, tart, silky, and smooth. A ravishingly tasty treat. Total crush. So uh, I've been looking forward to this beer for a little while Let's here. do this thing. Maddie? good. Oh boy, it's it smells great. Just opening the can, it smells great. 
Oh, yeah. And again, I think as I've said many times, I'm good for one sour. I, I do like the Same. flavor. I just can't, you know, I couldn't do a night of sours, but. No. Oh, it's got a nice. Right. Oh, I, I, I think. Oh, it's very hazy. I like that. Yep. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's try this beer, buddy. Cheers, my friend. Oh, that's so good. I like fruit sours. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah. This is because they become tart. Yeah. And this and one I like is tart really, more than really just gentle. sour. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's smooth like 2021's people's sexiest man alive, Paul Rudd. <laughs> Yes, it is. Uh, you know, I, I technically, I you know, I misspoke. I uh, I do have your birth, uh, your Christmas gift, of course, because, uh, and you oh, will be yes. drinking it by the time this comes out. Because uh, last year and the year before, we inexplicably missed branching out's holiday advent beer calendar. I got sure it did. the first year they did it, and then the next two years, I was asleep at the wheel. And just missed it. But this year, I got up early on a Sunday. I went over. I got numbers 41 and 42. They were only doing, I believe, 95 of them this year. So They were sold out within like an hour. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It, and it Good was, for them. So you know where that is in the plaza. The line stretched from them past um, Barrel and Vine, past Mitsuba, mm-hmm. made a left-hand turn towards uh, towards Sweet Frog and Witty Wicks. And ended yeah. up like in front of Blaze Pizza. Actually, it was past. I think Holy it was all the way in front of Pink Frog by the time we got in there. I got there 30 minutes before they opened, and I was like number, you know, around around 30 in line. And uh, it stretched right back. God. And when I left it, Joel was like, uh, we're going to be disappointing some people today. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Next- but when you're doing a craft, when you're doing a craft beer advent calendar, you can only make a finite amount of them. Yeah, you know it is incredibly labor intensive. So they put, you know, they they put each can or bottle into a small paper bag. They put the the number marker on it. Um, you have you have not done you, you have not done these. I yet. have not done this. No, in fact, I messaged you. and I'm like, oh shit, we missed it because I opened <laughs> Instagram and it was, and you're like, well, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Merry Christmas, buddy. Uh, and <laughs> how appropriate because you are rocking their uh, Krampus knocked shirt from for 2020 because he's got the little uh, mask over his face. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Uh, I, he's like he's much more uh, friendly and animated for a you know anti Santa gonna steal your toes and drag you to hell. I've got the blue the Krampus one and he's a mm-hmm. little more fierce. I do like that one. Uh, and also, uh, just to be pedantic, it's Krampus. Oh, Krampus. Okay, thank you. Krampus. It's German. Oh, Krampus. Oh, sure, sure. Also, you would very much enjoy the Krampus movie because it's I've seen silly it and, and fu- I love it. Oh, it's Adam Scott. It's How do you not so love it? Fucking good. And Tony Collette. And Tony Collette. And Dave Keckner. I mean, oh, you, yeah, it's a gr- right there. The three of them. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. So at this point, you and I are we're like two thirds of the way through. The advent calendar. How is it so far, Casey? Oh well, it's delicious, of, of course. course it because is. <laughs> if you're if you want the finest beer selection in the central New York area, you go to Branching Out. There you go. Located in Township Five, all right. Dallas, New York. All right. And of course, say hi to Barley. Woof. Okay. <laughs> Woof. 
We are we are fucking punchy tonight. We really are. I had a terrible day at work, so I'm just I've been. Looking I had the to kids spirit. home with me all day, so so you were ready for Veterans Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the dog can't go back to uh, daycare until the fifteenth of December. <gasps> Because his vac- one of his vaccinations ran out, and oh, no. their our, our hospital or our uh, vet is so backed up. Oh my gosh! Holy cow! That's yeah. that's a bit. That's a Sorry. long day. Wow. He's been here. Yeah, and this is normally a, a daycare day because so all day he's like, "Let's go, let's go, let's go." I'm like, "No, fucker." Uh, you know, <laughs> ah. I, uh, I'm exhausted. Obviously, so boys didn't have school. Yesterday, as yours didn't either, as no kids did. Um, so last night, we finally played. I think we bought it last year. We finally played for the first time the Marvel Villainous. Oh, how was it? It's it's a lot of fun. It is a complex awesome. game. It's it's a European style board game, you know. And so you play one of the one of the villains in the MCU, and mm-hmm. each villain has its has it his or her own objective and so it makes for a really interesting game because you're not trying to do the same thing everybody else does and does in fact Ooh. you're all and um so joseph joseph had played it with his friends a couple weeks ago and loved it so we so he asked us so that's why we're playing it so uh ultron is his character that's who he likes playing so he was ultron uh the goon okay. was playing hella which he had a blast with. Makes sense. Of course. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) And I played as Thanos, which you really want somebody playing Thanos because if you play as Thanos, it puts the Infinity Stones in play. And that is Thanos' objective to collect the Infinity Stones. But you can only collect them by basically putting them into the other villains' domains and then going and taking them. So Thanos is actively working. pretty much what he does. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we had a blast, but it was like a three-hour game. So I think we ended at eleven last night. I was exhausted, so I was dragging today. But I, I'm here now. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Yeah, because the bean didn't have school. She ha- she had no bedtime, <laughs> and so at like ten thirty, she was on a, a video call with, or like ten fifteen, she was on a video call with one of her friends, and I just went in and went fifteen more minutes. <laughs> And I'm just like, I'm going to bed. Yeah. Move it along, guys. All I saw were the movies I've watched this year. Notes from Insurrection. Hey, guess who they wanted to be in? Guess who Patrick Stewart wanted to be in Insurrection as the villain, played by F. Murray Abraham. Who's that? Gordon's alive. <laughs> Brian Blessed? Brian fucking Blessed. They're apparently, not apparently, they are like childhood friends. No kidding. Patrick Stewart and Brian Blessed. Yeah. Oh, that's They've awesome. They've tried to get each other in movies all the time. They're really very, very close. Now, are they also friends with John Reese davies who is not Brian Blessed? <laughs> Which, I don't believe so. Once again, for the, John, for the listeners who John aren't Reese on Patreon, it, it's only, it was only a co- I'm 50 years old. It was only a couple of years ago that I realized that Brian Blessed and John Reese davies are two different people. I don't know why. They don't. They don't look alike, except they're both big, booming men with with beards. But they don't actually uh, look no. alike. <laughs> Brian Blessed, Brian Blessed, uh, Flash Gordon, Brian Blessed, totally is a John Reese Davies type. Sure, okay, I get, Thank you. I, I get it. I see what you're saying. <laughs> Got it. Uh, so I think we, oh. I think I shared that story at uh, 
when we did Flash Gordon, which if you're not a Patreon listener, you got to head over to our Patreon. Even you do five bucks for one month, download all the yeah. bonus content. We're not mad at you. Do it and you know get in and get out. Uh, but there's some really good fun stuff that happens over there. Yeah, in fact, we are now into the, oh, you haven't seen that section that we're releasing on our main feed. So the first one we did was The Prestige, um, or as I like to call it, Chris Nolan's perfect movie. Wolverine versus Batman? Uh, He made that same joke when we did the episode. Well, listen, go listen to the episode. You'll hear it right there. Uh, Yeah. You will. But So we are releasing those on the main feed, but it's like a, a what, a two-year lag. So, mm-hmm. you know. So, so if you're liking what we're putting there, you can get early access to all the rest of the episodes plus what we're doing now. We just released ET the extraterrestrial and uh in a couple days from this episode, we will release um uh, the secret of Nim. Ooh. It's a good oh, one. The sparkly Miss Briz. <laughs> uh, all right, but we're not here to talk about uh, Flash Gordon, no, or here. The Prestige, or Secret of Nim, or E.T. We're, we're here to talk about that sexy, sexy man, Paul Rudd. Yeah, holy cow. From, you know, what an amazing career he has. He is just delightful. Uh, cannot wait for the new one. Is it Netflix? No, Apple TV with him and Will Ferrell. I just saw the trailer. I just saw the first trailer. Uh, I watched Finch, uh, which was delightful. Uh, that is not on my radar. The- uh, Tom Hanks with oh, the robot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was real good. Uh, Tom Hanks, God, I mean, Tom Hanks is always good. And the robot is Caleb Landry Jones. I feel like I should know who that is. Banshee from X-Men First oh, Class. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And from Get Out, the very <gasps> creepy brother. The brother, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. I have to check that out. He's a great He's a great actor. All right. All right. Well, let's get us back on track here. We're, uh, we're, we're all over the place here. We're... we're all right, so um, <laughs> we have we have no reshoots or reactions. No, no, no. I was going right into oh. uh, almost cast. Oh, oh okay. Uh, start- well, before we do that, we typically will share the IMDb score for the movie. All right, fine. If you want to go in order, I mean, we're not barbarians here. We have some structure. So Ant Man, we we're full of Christmas cheer. That's right. So Ant Man gets a seven point three out of ten. Okay. All right. So we'll come back to that. Yeah. I, I will. I will simply say okay. Um, one thing uh, before I get into the reshoot, uh, the um, almost cast, uh, much to probably my brother's dismay. Uh, did you notice that this film was filmed in a different aspect ratio than all the rest of the Marvel movies? Well, you know that I never noticed that, and in fact, I believe our uh, Five Timers Club chat had a discussion. <laughs> Going on That's why that. I said much to my brother's dismay. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so the movie was shot in 1.85 to 1 aspect ratio rather than 2.39 uh, to 1, <laughs> uh, like all the rest of our movies. Pretty much, yep. did you did you not notice that there were no black bars in the top and bottom of your I did not. TV? I did no, not notice you that. You didn't. You didn't. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the sequel, however, is going to be filmed. It is filmed in two point three nine. Um, can, now, can, for those of us who are not knowledgeable, what is this? What is what are the different formats? What does that mean? 
Okay, 2.39 to 1 is black bars on top and bottom. It is wide screen. That is the traditional cinema view, right? Traditional wide, yeah. Okay. Uh, f- but for a long time, a lot of movies were done in 1.85. So if you watch looked, an older movie. It would movie, look better when it went to home, to TV? It was like a no, count, right? because uh, I think part of it was because they knew everything in like the late 80s, early 90s was pan and scan. So... Okay. You wouldn't so, get so, the full picture. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So it would look better when <clears throat> it went to home video on when they VHS had to pan and scan yeah, it yeah, down. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, and then uh, uh, the the sequel will have an hour of footage that is in one point nine to one, which closely matches IMAX's one point eight five to one, which is what my brother doesn't like because they just announced tomorrow. A lot of the uh, Marvel movies are going to be tomorrow when we're recording, not tomorrow, this, uh, Christmas Day, we got uh, or uh, no, uh, the day before, the, the Saturday before Christmas. Um, Jesus, boy, you're having a tough time here, buddy. You're right. <laughs> no, no, apparently <laughs> I had the not. kids all yeah. day. I'm a little <laughs> fried. Um, they, they're going to release all of them to have IMAX format. Okay, which. Colin griped about, which I say, eh, it's not that bad because my copy of The Dark Knight has all the shots that were shot in IMAX. It moves to that format, and you barely, you barely notice, notice it. Yeah, I mean, and if you do, you you adjust like so quick. Got it. Okay. Well, thanks for that little uh, explanation. Appreciate it. Um, is this where we should talk about the Edgar Wright of it all? Yeah, let's do that. I do want to talk a little bit about the superhero background, um, like okay. the origin of the character. Well, I have I have some almost cast, but I have some people who were looked at as the director after Edgar left. Yeah, so then let's, so. let's talk production. So you said the magic name. So the incredibly talented, brilliant, uh, very funny Edgar Wright. Very funny. Who... You know, for me, will always be the one of the geniuses behind the Cornetto trilogy, right? A wonderful trilogy of movies. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End. Also on this podcast, we've done Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which mm-hmm. I love. Um, more recently, Baby Driver, Last Night in Soho, which I haven't seen yet, but that's on my radar. Just it's not, it's yeah, it's. I've he's been on a couple podcasts and talking about it, and I'm super jazzed for it because it is uh, uh, Thomason McKenzie uh, from Jojo Rabbit, the oh, the, the, little, Jew, the Jewish yeah oh yeah. the girl the girl that was in that in the, Jojo finds yes yes oh yeah. she's wonderful she was also in old oh, oh I didn't see that yet yep hey. Uh, Spoiler alert, skip it. It's not very good. Is there a twist? Don't tell me. <laughs> yes, the twist is that they get old. The twist is that they get old. No, it's, no the twist is worse than that. Uh, let's just put it this way. How this get made has already done it. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, so, so you mentioned... How so terrible it is. Edgar Wright originally attached to direct this. Um, kind of famously... This was announced at the same time that Iron Man 1 was announced. Yes, yes. This is supposed to be part of phase one. Yeah, yeah, which is... With with Hank. Which is really incredible if you think about it. And it, it what it really represents is the fragmented um, universe of intellectual property that the Marvel 
film rights were because mm-hmm. over the decades, you know, Stan Lee in this kind of never successful until our era um, saga continued trying to get Marvel movies made in Hollywood and, you know, basically ended up selling those movie rights. And at the time the MCU starts, and again, we've said this, Iron Man, you know, never before the MCU, never an A-list Marvel hero. I mean, a, a, no. a strong B-list, a strong B-list, part of the Avengers Forever. But you had this patchwork of heroes that basically they hadn't sold somewhere else. So you got Iron Man. right? So Ant-Man was kind of a crazy idea, but uh, shocker, they hadn't sold the film rights. <laughs> they still had them available, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Edgar was with it right up until, I mean, there's the... There's test footage that he directed that is directly then reshot by Peyton Reed for this movie. Uh, Peyton Reed, the director of the movie, is going to be the first director in the MCU to do a trilogy. Oh. I think that's right, because he's doing Quantum uh, Quantumalia. If you, Quantumania. Well, let's see. Uh, of the same title, right? Because otherwise, you've got to give the Russos, you got to give oh, them yeah, they've done... Winter Soldier, Civil War, and then two Avengers movies. Yeah, I mean, who? That's tough. That's tough because I mean, same. I guess it's the same title. title. Yeah, same, that's fair. Same, same vision for all three of a solo, solo, solo movies. Okay. let's put it that okay. way. Okay, there we go. <laughs> because, well, <laughs> I mean, Captain America. Uh, Civil War ain't a solo movie. No. It's no. practically Avengers 2.5. It, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, 100%. Okay. So, after all that, uh, they're about to start production. They want him to not have Hank Pym be the main character because he's a spousal abuser. So, so a little awkward. I want to talk about that later, but we can talk yep. about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it during the episode. Yeah, yep. Um and he leaves the project. Um, leaves it amicably, but you know he has been quoted as when he's asked, "Have you ever seen this movie?" He's like, "No." It would be like someone saying, "Hey, do you want to watch footage of another guy fuck your ex-wife?" <laughs> <laughs> so I get it. I, I I understand, and I don't think he has. I don't think he'll ever do a uh, a Marvel movie now, but. I don't think he's one of those directors that's out to shit on comic book movies either. He still loves him, but it just it didn't work out. So after he left Adam McKay, which is probably how we get old Paul Rudd. Yep. And uh, Ruben Flesh. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, Adam McKay will keep a story or a script credit, screenplay credit. Right. Yep. Uh, Ruben Fleischer. Rawson, Marshall Thurber, Nicholas Stoller, Michael Dows, and David Wayne. I recognize the name David Wayne. Is he a he's Bruce's cousin? Guy? I think he it's spelled differently. <laughs> you son of a bitch. They were all considered to direct. Okay. For uh, <laughs> for Hank Pym, Sean Bean. So he would have died in the third act. Okay, got it. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, I would have liked to have seen his screen test. And Gary Oldman? 
Well, listen, I'll watch Gary Oldman in anything, so I would have been fine with that. But every scene would have been the Hope and uh, Hank fight before you find out the truth. (laughs) Every scene would have just been like, no, no. Uh, that was one of the only scenes that Bean saw. She just happened to walk through when they were fighting. And when Michael Douglas goes, no, uh, the Bean goes, because <laughs> <laughs> she does not handle drama very well right now. Got it. Uh, hey, Jessica Chastain may know that name. Mm-hmm. She turned down the lead female role of Hope Van Dyne due to scheduling conflicts. Wow. And I be- if you remember, she also bowed out of Iron Man 3. She was originally cast as Maya Hansen. Huh. So she bows out of two Marvel movies. Pretty good Marvel movies to go be in a terrible X-Men movie? Well, wait. She's in Dark Phoenix. Oh, I got it. I, I mean, I'm thinking of First Class where she is Oh, no, that's not uh, that's not, not her. In the f- I, who's the, Who is the one who's the white queen in that? <laughs> January Jones. January Jones. Yeah. Who, wait, who was she in Dark Phoenix? I don't know. Who cares? Okay. I don't know the character. Jessica Chastain. Okay, got it. Okay. I, I, I've never watched it. I will watch it when we pull it for this podcast, and we will. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Same, so then, <laughs> for the Wasp, uh-huh. uh, Mayor Elizabeth Weinstead <laughs> was considered. Uh, clearly, uh, was that during the Edgar Wright era? They worked. Nope. Oh, interesting. I wonder if. No, this is. I, I'm assuming this is all because Edgar got as far as test footage, and I don't think he ever did any casting. Got it. Because uh, um, obviously she worked with him in Scott Pilgrim. So. Sure. Sure. Um, and then for a while, there was a script going around where we saw more of uh, Janet Van Dyne. Mm hmm. And when that was going on, Rashida Jones and Emma Stone were considered. Okay. All right. For Scotty Lang, <laughs> only one of these, I think, would have worked. Not as well as Paul, but would have would have done fine. Uh, Adrian Brody. All right. Because when I think yeah. Adrian Brody, I think comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, you can't, uh, you can't throw that around. Yeah. 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 Got it. Yep. Yeah. Ewan McGregor hmm. and Joseph Gordon Levitt. And take a wild guess which one of those I want to see. <laughs> JGL. JGL, man, he would be. I'm like, oh, he'd be a really good Scott Lang. Yeah, you know, yes, except. Yes, I'm he sorry, would have been more. He would have been. He would have been a cockier. He would have. He wouldn't have been as lovable doofus that. Um, Paul Rudd is so good at playing. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, uh, Patrick Wilson was cast as Paxton. Okay. That would have been very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after the movie was delayed, scheduling conflicts forced him to drop out. And Bobby Cannavale took the role. I love him. He's Not great. Paxton. Wait, Paxton. Yeah, Paxton. That's uh, Bobby Cannavale's character. He has That's a, his name? He has is, a, he, is he a character from the comics? I, I don't think so. In, uh, uh, I don't okay. think so. I mean, uh, so they do get right Scott Lang's background, like the broad strokes, but I don't. I don't recall in the comics unless it was like much later era, like this level of detail of Scott's home life. I mean, again, Ant Man was never even. I mean, well, 
the original Ant-Man, Hank Pym, you know, was a founding member of the Avengers, but yep. uh, otherwise... Creator of Ultron. Creator of Ultron. Otherwise, Ant-Man is a character... Uh, again, there's a reason why Marvel still had him on the shelf. They could make a movie. Um, n- not a, a not a red-hot property that they had sold. Yeah, you skipped this one. You didn't come I, with us to see this. I did skip you this like, one. I don't care. And, and, I, uh, and both, I, I took both the kids the- after the premiere... Uh-huh. And I think after I was like, no, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, well, I'm taking the boys. And oh my God, loved it. Holy cow. I was a hundred percent wrong. Now, you know, sometimes and I, I don't even do it all the time on the podcast. I, I don't do as much writing now because a lot of my creativity goes here. But uh yeah. I do have a pretty good back catalog of of posts on my blog, TMP and SYR.com. Back in 2013. I wrote a piece called Honey, I Shrunk the Superhero. When oh, well, we 100% will put a link in. Uh, if you go to the show notes on your podcatcher, uh, we will have a link to this article. Yeah. Um, and I do a breakdown that I I stand by. You know, when they when they announced Age of Ultron, I did, a, I did another one um, around Ultron. And I'm trying to kind of give the non-comic book geeks a little thumbnail sketch to work with with the movies. Explore some things. Yeah. Um, famously, I've gotten wrong in that. I got wrong. Uh, Human Coulson. Torch, Vision, Colson, all that, one hundred percent, which I ate, yeah. ate crow about, and I acknowledge that in the pod, in the in the blog. But this one, yeah. I shrunk this honey. I shrunk the superhero. This is a pretty good one, and I think I correctly call some decisions that have to be made where they have to kind of. They've got to make some decisions to tweak the comic legacy to bring it into what we already had in the MCU. So uh, I think it's worth a read. Go check it out. But in that, I break down, there were three, at that point, there had been three Ant-Man in the comics. The first, of course, is Hank Pym, who's in this movie. Uh The second, Scott Lang, the reformed burglar, thief, uh, turned superhero. And there was a third, uh, you know, blink and you miss him in the comics, Eric O'Grady. Uh, who becomes Ant-Man for a minute, oh, but right. he gets no traction. And I think in the post, I'm pretty much like, yeah, he's not it. And so I put my money behind, it's going to be Scott. And hey, I was right. So go read that. Hooray. It's a fun, it's well, a fun yeah, post. Yeah, uh, mainly because uh, I don't think Disney could... I mean, they, they do pay, pay homage to it with a, why Hank can't use the suit anymore. Because isn't that part of it in the comics? The suit has kind of made him go a little cuckoo. Um, well, so we'll t- let's talk about it in the episode because it's a theme I want to explore. It, the Ant Man's troubled or Henry Pym's troubled history in the comics. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I well, I think with all that, well, the last thing we just need to know: how much? Hold on. Did this? Oh, sorry. We're almost there. So you talked about Edgar Wright and the almost directors. So Peyton Reed yeah. ends up directing this. Um, you've okay. heard of his yeah, movies. I guess you should actually. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, Bring It On, the cheerleading competition movie from 2000. Listen, I got to tell you, I kind of love Bring It On. <laughs> Never seen it, to be fair. Oh, my God. It's 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 stupid funny. It, it's, it's really, really good. His second movie, I actually saw and loved. I thought it was so smart and funny. Down With Love, Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor. It was like a send-up of the 1960s. Um, like uh, the pillow comedies, like the 
Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's really... I did not see this. It, it, it's worth the watch. I thought it was pretty good. Um, right. The movie that Aubrey and I went to go see on one of our first dates after uh, Joseph was born, when we had tried to go, <laughs> like, uh, try, tried to go out without kids, and we were going through a rough patch in our marriage, uh, The Breakup. <laughs> the movie that I turned to... Oh, Peyton. Peyton Reed directed. Peyton Reed directed? Yeah. Oh, wow. I... Uh, okay. That's the movie that in the middle of it, I turned to Aubrey and said, you know, maybe we shouldn't be watching this movie because <laughs> it was hitting uh, a little too close to home. <laughs> uh, also directed Yes Man with uh, Jim Carrey. James Carrey. Yeah, the Mr. James Carrey. And, and as you point out, the film, the uh, the three Ant-Man movies. Uh, writing credits. Edgar Wright keeps a writing credit because of all the work he'd done. Yeah. Ed, I mean, and Edgar Wright's DNA is all over this thing. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. It is clear, especially when we go from this to Ant-Man and the Wasp, you're really going to feel a different tone yep. than when Edgar's in charge of writing. Yeah, you know, I, I think if you like the Cornetto trilogy, if you like that witty, smart, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I mean, Sean <clears throat> is Scott, right? Is <laughs> Nicholas... Sean Scott but, with a better heart. Sean's, Sean's uh, Scott's... Oh, shit. Scott and Sean are the same, but Scott starts the movie as Sean is at the end of the movie. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so Edgar Wright <clears throat> keeps a writing credit. Jo- uh, Adam McKay, as you mentioned, Anchorman and, and, and other fine movies. Um, but I think the mm-hmm. one who really get, If I had to guess here, I'm guessing the one who probably... Uh, also shapes it. Well, I'm, I'm being ran- randomly or I'm being wildly uh, speculative here. The, the other writer <laughs> credit is Joe Cornish, who's an English comedian. Um, mm-hmm. He also writes a bunch of movies: Adventures of Tintin, Attack the Block, which he uh, also directed. Is, um, and they're doing a sequel. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Just. Um, and then. Um, so he's also actually I, I can't speak. I, it's probably not fair to say how much of a impact he had on this. Uh, but you're right. Um, then finally, the sorry, I'm all I'm all scattered today. Um, I don't know if we shared it earlier. This movie comes out in 2015, so only six short years ago. Uh, it has right. a budget of 130 to 170 million, depending on the source you're looking at. Ends up uh, mm-hmm. box office take of 519 million dollars. It's a success, and that's why we're getting a second and third one. Yeah, 100, 100. Uh, so sorry about that. It was a little, uh, little choppy. So with that, um, I think it's time to roll the film. So we open in the year of Michael Keaton Batman, 1989. <laughs> the year I graduated high school. Good Christ. Right? How cool, though. I dig the opening. First of all, let's say this right off the bat. This is a fun movie. It's just fun. It's fun. But I'm sure I've watched it at least once since it came out in the theaters. Well, I may have watched it exactly once prior to this episode. Yeah, I've seen it a handful of times. It's it's a lot of fun. Now, I find a lot of things in here that, in my opinion, are Easter eggs or teasers or like those little... 
It's the reason why when people ask me, what order should I watch the MCU in? And we've talked about this. You watch them in release order. If you've seen them a thousand times and you want a different take on it, then you can put them in the chronological in-universe order. But don't. Mm -hmm. But don't do that unless you're jaded with you know uh, with the release order views because Marvel Studios does such a brilliant job of adding all of these parts you know all these bricks in the wall to build this massive structure and you got to do it in the order they're building them um that's fair that's I fair. Lo- so in 1989 we're seeing the triskelion being built under construction right yeah, and so uh, we see this man. He's walking down a hall. He's super pissed. You can just tell by the way he's walking. Yeah, he's got that angry white guy energy. <laughs> and we see John Slattery yes. as Howard Stark this time. The wonderful Hallie Atwell oh, back again. Forgot she and was some, in this. And some random dude. I don't know who the other guy was. He plays like a douchebag. You can tell by looking at him. Yeah, I don't think he's ever played a good guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. He, he's he's in that realm of actors that I'm sure can make a great living playing douchebag. Yeah, he's really good at it, and I'm hoping that's just not who he is. Because, you know what, if it was, he wouldn't be in these kind of movies. Exactly. He'd be in smaller movies. Exactly. Or not in movies at all. Howard's like, oh, he looks pissed, and out from the shadow walks Richard Greco. Casey. Oh, I missed that. Isn't that his character name in Wall Street? Richard Greco? Gordon Gecko. Let's try that again. And out of the shadows walks... Gordon Gecko. I think you're thinking of Richard Greco, who was the not oh, God, you know, the lesser yes. man's Johnny no, Depp. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to talk about him. What was his movie? If, if looks, looks could, could kill. kill. <laughs> I watched that movie more times than I care to admit. You did not. Oh yeah. Were I you a 21 Jump reason. Street fan? Nope. Oh no. I just, I don't know why I watched it so much. I just uh, did. And I, I think he's from Watertown, like uh, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, you know, both from Watertown. Uh, an amazing actor and a who? I'm going to say one of them can come on our podcast. <laughs> uh, sadly, uh, it's probably Mr. Greco. Sorry, sir. I apologize. Yeah. You're supposed to be in Moscow. I took a detour through your defense lab. This is the first time that digital de-aging looks flawless. Yes. Agree 100%. I didn't research that. Was it Was it CG? Yeah, or, it's digital CG? de-aging. It, just okay. like they're going to do with Kurt Russell in... Uh, Guardians 2. Guardians 2 was practical. I thought it was practical. <sighs> Damn it, Todd. No, don't go down this rabbit hole. No, it's not. The only person who ha- has ever done practical makeup for any kind of aging is uh, Hallie. Even the spoiler <laughs> is all CG on his face. He only had a little uh, stuff here. but he, I see a quote. Despite what he says, Kurt Russell's de-aging effect in Guardians of the Galaxy was mostly visual effects. While doing publicity mm-hmm. for Guardians of the Galaxy, Russell told reporters that his de-aging work was done practically by his longtime makeup man, Dennis Lydiard. Okay. All right. Probably want to keep Dennis employed. I, I must have remembered him saying that. Okay. My bad. But this is the first time, like, even in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, when he goes to visit Peggy. Yes. And it's aging it's not de-aging and they did the same effect where they digitally mapped her onto someone else it was just like they even like did his hands like when he points at the camera like this Mm -hmm. they digitally de-aged his hand because then the next shot is over the shoulder and they didn't bother because it was so quick we're like oh that's an old man's hand that's uh auburn i definitely not it sorry sorry go go ahead uh auburn i were watching uh the morning show season two is phenomenal 
Uh, something Are happened. You all caught up. Yes. Are you all caught yes. up? Yes. Is he, okay. Is he really dead? He's one hundred percent dead. Oops. That's a spoiler. Uh, so that's all amazing. But you know what was? Both of us were taken aback, and we had the same independent thought, and then shared it with each other. Have you taken a hard look at Jennifer Aniston's hands? She has got They're old lady hands. I'm so sorry. Yeah, everything here oh, is fantastic. It, I feel like I need her to pour a green vial into a bubbling cauldron or something with those hands. Oh, she doesn't have witches. She hands. had. Come on, she's got some fucking. You let those hands touch I w- her. Yes, <laughs> I, of course, of course, but but they're still witches' hands. But I would full acknowledgement. Yes, the witch is jerking me off. <gasps> Todd. Oh, sure, you, you had to go I there. did. Um, I don't know how much I'm gonna keep yeah. it back. <laughs> Listen, hands, I'm comfortable uh, with all of it, but you do what you gotta do. <laughs> what no, because we're at fifty-five minutes and we're ten seconds into the I fucking know. movie. I know. <laughs> it's one of those nights. So we find out in the scene that uh they tried to steal this red vial from him, and we hear the word pim particle. We don't get a whole lot of information. We just know it's bad they tried to steal this from That's him. That's right. Especially when uh, douchebag uh, McGee there says, If only you'd protected Janet with such ferocity, Dr. Pym. Michael Douglas has the best. Uh, Bam! <laughs> and he just slams his hand out. But it's a sigh beforehand, like, nah, you push the wrong uh, button. He decks the guy. I thought he slammed his... F- no, no, he no. decks the guy. Hang on. Because then, uh, because then uh, Howard says... You just kicked your ass full size. You really want to find out what it's like when you can't see him coming? I don't know why, but that always tickles me. He just kicked your ass full size. I, listen, you at this point, the <laughs> MCU don't. is buying whatever talent they want. I mean, Mr. Douglas, of course, but Slattery, you know, it's just, I kind of want another, well, I guess we had it with Agent Carter and it didn't take. I mean, I just want more of him as Howard Stark. Well, he wasn't Howard Stark in that. Oh, he, it was Dominic Oh, because it's the early, got it, got it yep. Because it's the 40s, sure. yeah. Yeah. Pretty much 60s on would be John Slatter. Yeah, John Slatter is great. Hang on. Here we go. Oh, look at that. He slammed his head down. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you, I'm sorry. I thought you said he slammed his fist down. I thought he. I thought you were saying he punched the table. No, he slams his face yes, down. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he just grabs his head and just slams it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I, I, yeah. But but that, just that, uh, <laughs> before he does it, like, I don't want to do this, but you kind of push the wrong you button. Do it. You mentioned my wife again, and I'll show you ferocity. It's exposition, but it's not here's exposition. Yeah. It's really, really tightly written. And I feel like this is left over from Edgar's script. It's wonderful. 100%. Now, here's something I want to talk about. and We can decide whether it's a spoiler and whether it stays in. So I think this scene beautifully sets up an episode of What If. Oh, yes, it does. So is yeah. this... It, so... Uh, Spoiler wait. Event. Spoilers for What If... If you haven't watched... What if episode three... Skip a minute, because we, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time yeah, on this. Yeah, it's fine. Yes, this 100% is setting up evil Hank. What Pitt. if the world lost its mightiest heroes, which was yep. a really fun episode and great, but there's a little bit in that episode where you're like, Ant-Man killed them all? This perfectly sets that up. Makes 100% sense to watch this scene and then go watch... Episode three. Not only that, just the whole movie, how protective Hank is of hope. Sure. If hope dies, hope dies. Turn it and, and kind of, you know, really, I think going 
full speed ahead attacking the idea that Ant-Man is a really a little bit of a goofy character. He's not. And he's clearly not in the mm. MCU. He's dangerous. No, definitely he's not. a force to be reckoned with. And also, they got fucking Michael Douglas back yeah. <laughs> to do yeah. it. I just remember watching the episode. I'm like, God, this guy's doing a really good Michael Douglas credits roll. I'm like, the fuck? It's Michael Douglas. Because he's still connected for Ant-Man 3. So it makes sense, right? Michael Douglas does these movies for his children. Love it. He's one of those actors that has children young enough, good for him, that uh, are interested in these movies. Amazingly. Yep. Okay, welcome back if you skipped uh, ahead. We're not going to talk about nope. any more of that. So, end of the scene. Hank's like, uh, I, I quit. I formally tender my resignation. We don't accept it. Formally. Hank, we need you. The Pym Particle is a miracle, please. Don't let your past determine the future. As long as I am alive. We cut to something that I made fun of in Hellboy. I thought we were done with. What does it say? Oh, that would be present day <laughs> i'm okay with that it's timeless <laughs> yeah no, yeah i i know I, but we can also set it with the rest of the movies i think marvel was still trying to figure out their timeline sure at this point sure. we get paul rudd standing around a bunch of prisoners uh, and he just gets cold cock. that place in prison where you don't want to be when everybody's watching you that's not ever <laughs> a good experience we find out this is some bizarre ritual that they do when people leave yep. to the point where the guards are in on it. Like <laughs> at the end of it, when, when Paul Rudd and, oh, what is the, what is the large African-American man's I, name? I do not. His character name. I can't remember. I miss you, Scott. I'm going to miss you too, Peachy. They hug and that's when the guards come in like, all right, all right, all right, break it up. Like they're <laughs> like, you can punch each other. Just don't hug. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And then we were introduced to the man who I think should just recap all of the MCU, Luis. The amazing Michael Pena. In a comedic role for once. Up to this point, he'd pretty much done drama. Hey, really? End of Watch. Um, uh, oh, that terrible movie that w- tried to tell us all that racism was bad. Oh, Crash. He's he's the father in Never Crash. Never saw that, but okay. Oh, you can skip it. it. But if you haven't seen End of Watch, you should definitely watch Uh, that. I started to watch that and for some reason got distracted. My schedule, no indictment of the movie. Uh, I know that he was in Chips with Dax Shepard, who I am a big fan of. I actually enjoyed Chips. Chips was really funny. It was fun. (laughs) Uh, He's great in The Martian. Oh, yeah, The Martian. Had Chips happened by this Uh, point? Maybe he'd already done Chips. No, Chips was just a couple years ago. Uh, Chips was two years later, 2017. Okay, so like this is like the beginning of Silly Michael Pena, and he's good at yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, he, he's so good. He's I, really, he's a good actor. I want to know, Luis is so stylized. I want to know, did he bring that to the character, or was that on the page? Because it's brilliant. Michael Pena, if you would like to come on our wildly successful podcast and explain your acting uh, technique and how you got the part, open invitation right now. What Luis is is a device that we don't have enough of, and I love it when it shows up, which is the unreliable narrator. <laughs> Luis is giving us his version of what has happened. I was at a wine tasting with my cousin Ernesto, which was mainly reds, and, and you know I don't love reds, man. You know, But there was a rosé that saved the day. It was delightful. My assumption is that's 15 to 20 degrees off reality. It's his, It's got the Luis spin on it. Well, I mean, he definitely uh, flourishes his stories for sure. I will say at the beginning, the first time watching this movie, when they're driving into San Francisco. Hey, how's your girl, man? Uh, she left me. Oh, 
Yeah, my mom died too. And my dad got deported. But I got the van. It's nice. Yeah, right? <laughs> I was just like, uh-oh, this character is going to be that? And then by the end of the movie, I'm like, oh my God, I love Louise. Give me more Louise. It was just that that triplet of joke made me very nervous for what kind of character we were about to be in store for. And I was like, fuck, no, I don't want that. So I'm on the Wikipedia page for the film. It's quoting Pena saying, Pena stated that he modeled Louise's vocal style and positive outlook on life on a friend of a friend saying, quote, that's just the way he talks and the cadence. He's got this grin on the entire time and he doesn't care. He's the kind of guy where you're like, hey, what did you do this weekend? And he's like, I went to jail, dog, with a smile on his face. Not a lot of people do that. <laughs> Not a lot of people think of life on those terms. I, fucking, like, Luis. Actually, actually, let's say this. His whole crew is all, like, standing up, standing ovation for all three well, of them. No, you don't like T.I. as Dave? Yeah, since he's in the middle of sexual abuse allegations, I'm not going to be too wild about him. To the point where he's not going to be in Ant-Man 3. Oh, He's funny, I didn't know but, that, but his performance yeah, in the yeah, film yeah. and in the next one are delightful. There was a black guy that looked exactly like me who attacked us and put us in the back of this disgusting man. <laughs> and also, um, the, of course, David Dalsmastian. We cannot go a second without praising. We are going to see him two more times. We'll see him for the Suicide Squad. And I feel like there's another superhero movie out there that he's in. He was in The Dark Knight. If only I had he's Polka Dot Man in The Suicide Squad. He's in this. Uh, oh, he was in Dune. I mean, Dune. He was just in Dune. He was in, oh, that's video. Batman Long Halloween. He's Calendar Man. That's, nope, that's what it is. It's Calendar Man. Oh, is that Man. what you're that's thinking exactly of? That's exactly what it is. Never mind. Yep, Which we're, yep, so yep, we're yep, not going to see because that's a direct video, I'm guessing? I believe it did not have a... Th- and no, because it came out during 2020. Oh, Nothing got it. Okay. <laughs> oh, he was on Gotham. <laughs> Dwight Pollard. He sh- I was out of Gotham by the, by the time he showed up. But yeah, I mean, he's he's wonderful. Big fan of him. Uh, he's so good. Mm-hmm. That accent is entirely created. It's... You hear him <laughs> yeah. talk. He's American, born and raised. Sounds like an American guy. But that accent is so good. Again, from the wiki page, uh, he worked with actress Isadora Goreshter, who, if you watched Shameless on Showtime, which was the American adaptation of the British show, she was Svetlana, mm-hmm. and she was wonderful. Oh, it's it's William Macy's, one of his best works, along with The Closer. Yeah, and there's a, an actor that used to do shows here in Syracuse that was on it for a while. Oh, yes. He was wonderful in the show. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. I didn't fucking watch it. Uh, Well, in any event, so he worked with that actress, uh, Isadora Goreshter, who's wonderful and shameless, to learn how to speak in his character's Russian accent. Uh, On his his character, uh, Desmalchian said that he had this idea that Kurt was born and raised in a town even further out than Siberia, and he was just an amazing computer wizard (laughs) who fell in with the wrong people, but he was obsessed with two things, Saturday Night Fever and Elvis Presley, hence the polyester shirts unbuttoned too far and the hair in that pompadour. Just delightful. This is a thing that he does then, because uh, if you like David Dasmashian, you should listen to his episode of Inside of You. With, oh. He's wonderful, and he's working on, fuck, Voyage of the, what's the ship that Dracula takes from Transylvania to London? Oh, uh doesn't matter, yep. but it's that. It's going to be that story. Last it's be, Voyage he says of the Demeter. Demeter, yes. That's the name of the movie. The Greek goddess of the harvest? Sure. 
Um, but he did the same thing. He has to have an accent in that, and he found someone who had that accent and worked with them that way. He didn't get a dialect coach. He got a person who spoke in that accent. I'm like, oh, my God, that's that's the way to go. Yeah, it's so good. He's so compelling. It's probably why I can do a Southern accent as as well as I can because I got family in the South. I didn't know you had family in the South. Yeah, my mom's from Little Rock, Arkansas. I don't think I ever knew that. But she's technically from Crockett's Bluff, but nobody knows where the fuck Crockett's Bluff is. But David Dasmalchian is just... God, he's so yeah. good. And uh, a, a recovering for almost 20 years now, recovering uh, heroin addict. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did not yeah. know that. He, he goes into it on uh, Inside of You, and it is... Wow. It's a ride. Uh, he's, re- I, he's, he's one of those guys that I like... I like watching his career because um so you see somebody like brad pitt like geez shocker brad pitt ended up as a movie star the guy's like a greek (laughs) god right you know there's an element of the entertainment business it's just about looks right how do you look right and everything else will fill in he doesn't have that going for him and i think he's so good in the stuff he does so i I just like that yeah he's he's unique looking he's not unattractive he's just he's not your typical hollywood pretty boy i agree dr pym Yes, I'm still alive. So we moved to Pimtech and uh, uh, up drives now properly aged Michael Douglas. There's a fun little moment where he goes through the security. I do. Perhaps that will suffice. A hundred foot painting of him. Very sorry, sir. Please come in. Oh, my God. But he has a tank. Uh, Chekhov's tank. He also has a tank that he shouldn't be able to lift. So <laughs> this is where I'm going to talk about how the science only works in the way that it needs to for the scene that is in front of them. So uh, we'll acknowledge this is a superhero movie, right? And they can do whatever they want. I wish. Uh, wait, hang on. Hold up. I will not acknowledge that second part. Wait, no, no. What I'm, no, no. If you set up the rules, you can't, you can't fuck what with I, them. They can do whatever they want. As long as they are consistent from the moment okay, they make the decision. Okay. You're 100% correct. Okay. So I was like, wait a minute, hang on. I thought we were no, in agreement No, we're this. in 100% agreement. You establish whatever rule you want. Once you establish it, be true to that. All they had yeah. to do, it's a little tweak. All he had to do was say, so later Hank will explain the process as he reduces the space between atoms. Okay, mm-hmm. makes sense. So you're not losing any mass. Yeah, I'm on board. And so when Hank talks about, you know, you'll hit with the force of a bullet because you have concentrated all this mass in a smaller spot. Okay, great. But then the problem is you can't fly on an ant. You would crush the ant. Hank Uh can't carry. You can't lift a tank. Yeah, he can't carry the tank. All he had to do was say, I perfected the process when I was able to, you know, the regulator will determine whether you're shunting mass so that you are now the size of an ant and you weigh an ant or keeping your mass but just compressing it and so you have all those things. I need to carry a tank around. I'm shunting the mass. It weighs an ounce. Uh, I want to punch mm-hmm. like a bullet. I'm shrinking to the size of an ant, but I'm keeping all my mass and I'm you know kicking the shit out of a you know team of security guards. They've got the buttons. They have an extra feature. Like when you, when you twist your arm like this, it... But- it he it's it's so simple. He establishes the regulator as the you know don't open don't press this button yeah. device. All he uh-huh. had to say was like the regulator controls whether you're keeping your mass or you're not. It's 
it's like one extra line of explanation and everything would fit. Yeah, it 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 I mean I mean we're jumping around but who cares? Who cares? I, I we can, um, listen, we are so it, far afield. If we go scene by scene it'll be a 4 hour. When the when so when the tank comes out at the end of the movie, at first watch I was like that doesn't make any sense. That can't happen. Well, spoiler, it'll get even worse in the second movie when he's hauling a building around. <laughs> Everything in that building would just go Yeah. <laughs> like when it gets back up, everyone should just be vomiting everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So if you're going to fault the internal logic, that's entirely fair. It makes no sense, and it they could have they could have very easily solved for that. So you know what also doesn't make a whole lot of sense? What's that? Uh, so they're about to go into a presentation. Um, you find out that uh, the wonderful Evangeline Lilly. Oh, hello. Um, Yes, please. See, yes, I've loved her since Lost. <laughs> she was wonderful on Lost. Um, she's really good. She's really good, but she's very cold. Good morning, Hank. It's pretty cliched. Hope, would it kill you to call me dad? That's been said in a hundred movies, but when Michael Douglas says it, I don't give a shit. It tells us what we need to know to understand the rift between them, right? Like, and it's perfect. Yep. Yep. So then Corey Stoll, who is. Corey Stoll is very clearly off his rocker in this movie. Like, right from the get-go, you're like, okay, there's something very wrong with this man, and we need to stay the hell away from him at all times. Yeah, and later, as Hank explains to Scott, you know, the process, he very specifically... the helmet. Yeah, the process is dangerous to the brain chemistry. The helmet of the suit is very important because it protects the brain. But even with that, you know, when they're planning the heist and Scott asks Hank basically why he isn't wearing the suit again. And Hank says, I can't. You know, I wore it for so many years. You know, the implication, again, is that he's suffered this long term damage from the process. So here's where I want to talk about Hank Pym's troubled history in the comics. You go right ahead. Okay. I know it, but please. I'll go. bet you there's an angle on this that I'll bet is new to you. As a DC reader, I'll bet you know this. Very famously in the comic books, I think I say this in that blog post I referenced, um, Henry Pym becomes the face of domestic violence in comics. He very famously, I think it's Avengers 213, I think it is, he backhands his wife, Janet Van Dyne, the original Wasp, Mm -hmm. when she tries to interfere with him. This was kind of at the end of an arc where he had been going further and further afield from the heroic ideals, and it kind of culminates in this moment. That is comics history. It's canon. Uh, So much so when Brian Michael Bendis updates these heroes and writes the Ultimates, he leans in even further on the abusive <laughs> Hank Pym, right? Brian Michael Bendis takes things a little too far. <laughs> yeah. um, but here's the problem. That wasn't the intent of the story. Jim Shooter, longtime Marvel writer, editor. Uh, I don't know if he's a... Was he a, an artist, I mean? I don't think he was an artist. I don't recognize the Jim name. Jim Shooter? Oh, oh. I would argue he is almost as big of a figure in... Marvel history as Stan Lee is. I mean, he's he's well he's after Stan, but he is a he's a key figure throughout much of Marvel. Certainly, the era I was reading. So uh, he has okay. a blog, JimShooter.com. He wrote a piece in March of 2011, and the title of that oh 
I'm so sorry to interrupt. I don't know him by name, but I see his artwork here. Yeah, he did the Secret Wars cover with Spidey in the... Uh, okay, okay. I didn't realize he was an artist. So, oh, the black suit? Or maybe uh, maybe he just wrote it, by signed by Jim Shooter. Yeah, he was a writer. I don't think he was an artist. I looked up Jim Shooter art, and it's showing me a whole bunch of yeah. shit here. But that's Kirby. No, he's uh, just he's an a, artist. So the Marvel database is or he's just occasional fill-in artist. Yeah, I think he... That's certainly not, I think, where his... His main fame comes from. Okay. Go to his blog, jimshooter.com. Search for the blog post, Hank Pym was not a wife beater. So this was, he <laughs> published this in March of 2011. Uh, and I'm going to quote directly from it. It's a couple paragraphs, but it's really good. And I want you to think about what you know of the character uh, as you hear this. Back in 1981, I was writing The Avengers. Hank Pym, a.k.a. Yellow Jacket was married to Janet Van Dyne, a.k.a. the Wasp, and things had not been going well for him for a long time. Before I embarked on the storyline that led to the end of Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne's marriage, I reread every single appearance of both characters. His history was largely a litany of failure, always changing guises and switching back and forth from research to heroing because he wasn't succeeding at either. He was never the Avenger mm. who saved the day at the end and usually the first knocked out or captured. His most notable, <laughs> quote, achievement in the lab was creating Ultron. Meanwhile, his rich, beautiful wife succeeded in everything she tried. She was always flitting around his shoulders, flirting, saying things to prop up his ego. So I skipped a section. He comes back to say, in that story, issue 213, I think, there is a scene in which Hank is supposed to have accidentally struck Chan while throwing his hands up in despair and frustration, making a sort of get-away-from-me gesture while not looking at her. Bob Hall, who had been taught by John Basima to always go for the most extreme action, turned that into a right cross. There was no time to have it redrawn, which to this day has caused the tragic story of Hank Pym to be known as the wife-beater story. Wow. Right? So you okay. knew him as a hang, as a wife beater, but holy cow, sure. what a, well because of Bendis. Because of because in in because in Ultimates he's one hundred percent. Yeah, they took what does was it, there. Doesn't went, Cap find out about it? And I think and go beat the, the crap shit out, out of him. him. He does. He he in fact he absolutely does. Yeah. Because it's Captain Fucking America, that's why as as Cap says, we don't trade lives and we don't beat wives. That was fucking brilliant because I know there's no way you had that written ahead of time. Well done. Nope. <laughs> well done. Um, but as I read that, you know what I thought of? We talked about it. It must have been the amazing Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield. We talked about Gwen Stacy mm -hmm. because Stan Lee shared the story of how uh, like, yes, he was getting on a plane yeah. to go to California. And the writers yep. were like, yeah, so we're going to kill Gwen Stacy. And he, not listening, was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And he gets there and they're like, and he's like, what? Gwen Stacy, what? And they're like. Boss, we told you about it. You know, Marvel Comics, it's a business, right? It's a, you know, I've never worked in the comics yeah. industry, but I've worked in <laughs> I've worked in corporate business for a long time. Things happen, you know, a decision made with no time or not the right uh stakeholders in play or the right informed people. Yeah, all of a sudden you're living with it. And holy cow, how that has, you know, how how, how that uh, unrolled, right? That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Okay. Um I think Maybe that's why they're respecting Jim Shooter and making it seem like Hank has definitely got some mental instability. I don't think he ever raised a hand to Janet. And we've been kind of making light of it here, but 
spousal abuse is not funny in any way, shape, sure. or form. We're laughing at fictional characters. That's right. Having it, and we're laughing at that it's it's been a thing that's been misconstrued. I just want to be very clear. Yeah, of course, neither one of us find actual spousal abuse no, funny. One hundred percent. But th- this movie though perfectly leans in on. So I would I would suggest that Cross is almost a sympathetic character. He is rejected by this father figure. So Cross was originally sure. Hank's mentee, and. Mm-hmm. You know, is Cross a character from the comics? Nah, mm, no. I, okay, because Yellow Jacket is, but it's just Hank. It's evil Hank Pym. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Hank at one point was the Wasp. <laughs> it was a later <laughs> era. It was, and it was like a, I think it was like an apology for trying to atone for his wife. I don't think Darren Cross is in the comics. I think he's only a movie character. Nope. Why would I say that? Because, of course, I'm wrong. Marvel premiere number 47 in January of 1979. Uh, he premieres in the character. So very different comic background. He's a self-made millionaire, creates and heads his company across technological enterprises. Makes his, Yeah, oh. so okay, yeah, very, very different. But he's almost tragic. He has this pseudo-parental relationship with Hank, who rejects him. In a later scene, Hank will explain. All those years ago, you picked me. What did you say? I saw myself. Why did you push me away? Because I saw too much of myself. That's a shitty fucking thing to do to somebody, right? Like, yeah, well, not, he's yeah. sympathetic until, you know, he makes his turn. Well, <laughs> he maybe he's he you can empathize with him perhaps. He sides with Nazis. <laughs> Sure, sure. I mean, listen, where we see him in the movie, he's clearly a bad guy, but he didn't have to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, he's... Don't worry. I'm sure at some point we'll get the Darren Cross origin story. Uh, you know, he's uh, Syndrome from Incredibles, right? Sure. He 100% is. Okay, so we've spent some time here talking about uh, Hank Pym beating up people. The joke that Hank gives to... The or the whatever he is, douchebag McGee. There. Yeah. Long time no see, Doctor Pym. How's retirement? How's your face? That only works for us because it happened two minutes ago for us. Yeah. <laughs> it's been thirty years. But it was the last time he saw. And what was that guy's name? It was um, Car. Uh, was it Carson? Sure. Uh. I don't yeah, know. Just, Mitchell it Carson, it didn't, it didn't, who was the ex-head of defense at S.H.I.E.L.D., now a mercenary who topples governments and and uh, works consults with Hydra. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> who, who, uh, um, who <laughs> wait, there's a great line. So we're jumping ahead. And listen, let's do it. I, I don't want to go scene by scene. Let's talk about these concepts. I think it's more engaging. Sure. This is the kind of movie that's, yeah, yeah that, that we can do uh, that with. Later, when... when uh, when we see Carson come back with his cronies and, and uh, Cross introduces him. Mr. Carson introduced me to these fine gentlemen here, the representatives of Hydra. They're not what they were. They're doing some interesting work. <laughs> it's, this great, it's this great line. Right, right. right. It's such a, such a Nazi sympathizer yeah. way of putting it. Like, <laughs> they've got some really good ideas now. You know, the trains ran on time. You know, I mean, it's, it's really efficient. Uh, so did you, did, I love when they do this. This one's a little heavy-handed. When Darren kind of outs Hank as the Ant-Man, mm-hmm. did you catch what he said? Silly, I know. Propaganda. Tales to astonish. Yep. 
which is first premiere of Ant-Man was in Tales to yep, Astonish. Yep. This wasn't like, uh, it was more like, uh, okay, good for you. You did it. You have made it work in the movie somehow. Also the title in which we'll get Thor. Yes, Tales to Astonish. And that's done more subtly. It's on the um, the town in New yeah, Mexico that yeah, they yeah. go to. Yep, yep. Somebody balks at the yellow jacket. So it's a suit. Don't be crude, Frank. It's not a suit, it's a, it's a vessel. What's the matter, you're not impressed? Oh, I'm impressed. I'm also concerned. Imagine what our enemies could do with this tech. Did you recognize that actor? I did not. That's Mike Wheeler's father from Stranger Things. What? You're welcome. What? I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm going, this looks like someone I know, and I'm, I'm picturing him with glasses. And, and I looked it up, I was like, oh my god, it's... Mr. Wheeler. <laughs> is that is crazy. Right? How absolutely creepy is it when that when uh, I'm just gonna say Mike's dad. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know the character's name. Frank. Frank. Yep. When he's like, Well, what if it gets into the wrong hands? And Darren just puts his hand in the shows goes. We should have a longer conversation about that, Frank. I really value your opinion. It is up there with when Norman turns to the scientist in Spider-Man 1, the vector formula. <laughs> You're like, oh, bad shit's going to happen later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Cross has, that's true. Cross does have that villainous turn. But it's not the turn. The the confirmation that he's straight up villain early in the movie. He, he murders his employee. He straight up murders this yeah, guy. 100%, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Goodbye, Frank. Let's talk about, I think, a key feature of this film that you know arguably you know will be even more important in you know the last avengers movie this is a heist movie at its core this is their attempt at oceans 11 it, it is it's done well it, it don't is, get me yeah, wrong in the comedy version of oceans 11 this is brilliant well oceans 11 has its comedy you're a thief and a liar i only lied about being a thief i don't do that anymore Steal. Lie. But it's not a comedy. No, they wait until Ocean's 12 and 13. And she had your phone. She has you. That means yes. Yeah. Well, you better hear me. This works okay. so well. Uh, the assembly of the team, the laying out of the plan, the clockwork mechanisms of all of the different players being in the right place at the right time works yeah. so well here. And we, we actually get it twice, right? We get it first. You know, you get the teaser, the amuse-bouche, when Scott breaks into Hank's house, right? Which is really yes. Hank's test to see if Scott's the right guy. And then, of course, it'll be writ large you know, when the stakes are even bigger at the end when he's got to steal the yellow jacket suit. And the fact that the suit has already been removed by Cross, and this is a trap to get his hands on the Ant-Man suit, doesn't yeah. take away from the beauty that is this heist. And and again, maybe this is why I love the whole team so much. You know, they all play their part so well, right? Luis is the sure. security guard. Kurt is the hacker. Dave is the driver who makes the yeah. incredibly momentous decision to go steal the Crown Vic. This is problem. Considering the Crown Vic is the most commonly used car for undercover cops, man. Yes, this is a problem. It just works so oh, well, just, right? It, it, just a sheer delight, which, of course, you know, the <laughs> end game. Come Stop on. It. I'm going to fucking okay. cut it. You go ahead. You say what you want. It's in some other movie, you know. 
It's going to get bleeped too. You mean I can't just say t- No, because it's funny in that when we find it out in that but one. But I bet if I said it now, I'll bet you it just stayed in. I'm going to bleep. <laughs> and I hope you've bleeped every time I said you motherfucker. <laughs> Scott is lamenting. Let's go back sure, for a yeah. second because this is a great yeah. this is a great moment. It has some a, a really nice piece of trivia in it. Um, Scott's lamenting. I got a daughter to take care of. You know that jobs don't come easy for ex-cons, right? Look, man, I got a master's in electrical engineering. All right, I'm gonna be fine. Smash cut. He's working at fucking Baskin Robbins. Welcome to Baskin Robbins. Would you like to try our mango fruit blast? So let's talk for a minute about the brilliance that is Paul Rudd. Was Clueless his first movie? No. Uh, Paul Rudd is in a Halloween film. Oh, my God. That's right. That's like his Jennifer Aniston Leprechaun 2, though, right? Like, or Leprechaun, whichever I, one it is. Uh, she's in She's in the OG. Uh, Halloween, is it five? Uh, guess what? That's after, well, same year. 95 is Clueless and Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. And that's five? Oh, it just says Halloween, the curse. I'm like, it's not, it, the IMDb yeah, doesn't it's when they get it. into Celtic occult bullshit, and it's just. I thought that was three. No, three is Season of the Witch, but then they tie that all in in um, five. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. Listen, the Halloween Isn't Halloween three fucked. the one that is just a straight-up departure? It's not, Michael Myers isn't in it at all? Right, because John Carpenter had told the story of Michael Myers, and now he wanted to make Halloween an anthology series God. and have terrible things happen on Halloween. Everyone's uh, like, where the fuck is, is Michael Myers? And guess what uh, John Carpenter did? I, I'm sorry. Uh, a I, Halloween <laughs> anthology series would never work. No one would ever watch that. <laughs> 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 right? I mean, yeah, that, that's brilliant. Uh, John Carpenter, what a what an amazing creator. Um, but Paul Rudd in this, when you were going through the Almost cast earlier, there were some great names there. The, I mean, the problem is this character is a little goofy. Like, you've <laughs> got to have Brian Fantana standing up, <laughs> delivering these this ridiculous content straight-faced and just going for it, right? I'll have a burger, please. Oh, we don't... We don't make that. Pretzel, hot pretzel, like mustard, you have mustard dip. It's ice cream. Baskin Robbins. Did you recognize the guy that comes up and fucks with him? You never watched Superstore, did you? No. Oh, uh, he was on there. He played this, oh God, just genius character. Yeah. Um, I just love, uh, so Scott's name tag mm-hmm. doesn't say Scott. It does not. It does not. Assuming it's to hide his identity. But as we find out in a second from the manager... Three years at San Quentin, huh? You found out. Baskin-Robbins always finds out. (laughs) Um, It's very funny. (laughs) But his name tag says Jack. Okay. And then when he's... When he's uh, another coworker to finish up with a guy who's like bucket of chicken, anything that's hot and fresh. I love yeah. that when Paul, when uh, Scott realizes it, was like, just do like whatever's hot and fresh, dude. <laughs> like, please don't. Right. This is my job. The person he calls for is Darby. Darby, could you just uh, take care of this idiot? Thanks. Jack and Darby are the names of Paul Rudd's children. Come on, how sweet, how sweet! And I think mm-hmm. as we've we've certainly said this on a prior episode. I don't remember which one, but uh, Paul Rudd, along with um, Negan uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, co-own a candy store in some little 
what the city people call upstate, which is like Hudson Valley. Uh, th- they own this little candy store in some little town because like they loved it and wanted to preserve it or something. So again, when are we yeah. going there? Well, I'm just looking right now. Store owned. Samuel's Sweet Shop. Oh, in Rhinebeck. Rhinebeck. Why do I know that that's name? Not f- that's not far. Paul and Judy Rudd. Is that his wife or mother? He's he's another guy who's ageless. Like, you can't nail down his age. Which one? Well, I'm on their samuelsweetshop.com. Yeah, I'm looking at the Paul and Julie Rudd picture. I'm a... S- yeah, you can't really tell. It's got to be his w- wife. That's his wife. It's got to be his wife. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Look at Paul. It could be his it could be his grandmother for all we know. Paul Rudd. Look, it it is an easy 3 hours and 22 minutes. That's fucking nothing. I, I'm kind of yeah, I mean that's Let's totally do doable. Right do back. We we and also Jeffrey Dean Morgan or Paul Rudd if you'd like to you've both been in movies on this podcast now, so yeah. we'd love to talk to both of yeah, you. Yeah, listen, we could we could help you with this little acting thing that you guys are dabbling with. I mean, <laughs> we're kind of a big deal. <laughs> we have literally tens of <laughs> listeners. Literally. Uh where is this by so I'm working for a company now that has an office in Terrytown. Is uh it's a little farther away from Terrytown. Is it? It's near the Poughkeepsie area. Uh, Terrytown. It, uh, it's near. Excuse me, Kingston. That that is that is right near. Wait, that's not far. Ter- that's oh, maybe I'm it's twenty ter- minutes away. Wait, oh wait, really? hang, on, hang on. That was hang on. That was twenty two hours. If you're walking, it is oh an hour and a half. Nah, never mind. You're right. It's oh wait, yeah, oh, wait. it's kind of in. Be- oh, Terrytown is way <laughs> south. Yeah, you're right. This is much closer to us. Holy cow. Yeah, 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 it's um. So it's an hour. It's kind of an near hour Woods- south of Albany. Yeah, Woodstock, Hudson, Catskills. It's that area. Okay. It's about an hour. It looks like if I'm looking at the map right, it's about 45 minutes north of Poughkeepsie. Okay, so so fuck it. We take the train to Poughkeepsie yeah. and then we drive up. Dude, let's do let's this. Go do this. We can, we can cast on the train. That will make for great <laughs> audio. <laughs> <laughs> I love the little visual jokes in this movie. When he gets fired from Baskin Robbins, the guy says, I'll tell you what, though. This would be totally off the books, off the records. But uh, if you want to grab one of those uh, mango fruit blasts on your way out the door, I'll just pretend I didn't see it. He's walking home, and what is he drinking? A mango (laughs) blast. (laughs) Well, you know, I think if if you're... Such a great little moment. If you're directing Paul Rudd, you give him space... Right, I mean, like famously, the Anchorman movies, improv is happening all over the place, and of course, Paul Rudd is right in the mix of it with Steve Carell, with Will Ferrell, uh, David Koechner. So much of it is is no, Rob, improvised. Sorry, Rob, there yeah, is David, a, Ke- David Koechner. David Koechner. Yep. So much of it is improvised that there is a whole other movie that they released called Wake Up Ron Burgundy. Yes, I, that involves like a fucking bank heist. It's Paul bizarre. Rudd loves heists. He does. he does love heists. You know, I'm not gonna lie. I love heists too. I didn't know they made a sequel to heists. Oh, you son of a bitch! How dare you? 
How dare you? This is this is the podcast. This is the podcast, folks. folks. These are the jokes. <laughs> That's at not Ryan Casey on Twitter. <laughs> and TMP and SYR at Oh no, it's just for me oh. because if they want to give me shit for that, <laughs> okay. go right ahead. Um I deserve that one. Uh hey Casey, if people want to check out the other people that we find interesting, uh what's coming up at our friends over at Night Shift Radio? Hi, podcast listeners. This is Caleb from Night Shift Radio. If you love spooky stories as much as I do, but maybe aren't entirely sure that you believe in the paranormal, then you'll enjoy the newest Night Shift Radio original, Possibly Normal. Twice a month, we tell a true story of possible paranormal encounters from the perspective of the person who witnessed the events. In these stories, we offer no attempted explanation, only the truth as it was observed. So join me as Night Shift Radio presents Possibly Normal, starting January 2022, wherever you listen to podcasts. He goes to his kid's birthday party, and I I love that she thinks this doll is ugly and that she loves it. I don't know why Cassie is written this way, but I love that Cassie is written this way. Cassie is your your kid's friend, you know, the, the friend of one of your kids that you love, right? That you're like, hey, is your uh-huh. friend Cassie coming? And when your kid's like, no, she had a birthday party to go to, you're like, oh, man, I was hoping really? Cassie was coming. <laughs> right? Like, Cassie's a funny kid. <laughs> Cassie is a funny kid. And Cassie becomes, she becomes, fuck. So, we'll, of course. We'll, Stature. Oh, that's, oh, in the comics, that's who got yeah. it. And, of course, this actress, sadly, um, what? I mean, that's. We Why? can't. No, I'm just saying because the we recast. Gotten... We can say that she won't. She'll be in the next movie, but not the. That's too much. That's okay. too much. Well, maybe I don't know. Okay. Let's see how I'm feeling when I edit this thing. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, you know, also part of the family, uh, the always delightful Judy Greer. Say goodbye to these. Oh no 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 no! The last time you're going to be seeing these for a while. Also, uh, Archer. Oh, is she one of the voices on Archer? Well, I wasn't in the sofa cushions. <gasps> well, you could have said that. I did. I thought you were being sarcastic! You know, she is one of those actresses that, like, she reminds me of, like, Kim Shaw. Like, it's that type where I need somebody who can play, like, left of center. You're, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's fucking great on that. Uh, she's also in uh, 13 Going on 30. Oh, you like that movie. She's adult Jenna Rink's uh, best friend. And the 13-year-old Jenna uh, just turned 30 today. Oh, no kidding. I feel like this has got to be an ad lib. I tell you this as a friend and as the first love of my life. Your fiancé is an asshat. He's not an asshat. Watch your language, okay? Oh, what language? It said hat. I said, just give him space. Hat. <laughs> I give him hat. He's great. Well, also Bobby Cannavale. I mean, he's no slouch either. He's he's really really good actor. Yeah, and, yeah, agree. And uh, you know, very jealous. He's with a very very beautiful woman. Uh, the two of them together have beautiful children. And yeah, who's his uh, wife or partner? Rose Byrne. Oh, oh, yeah. wow. That's too much pretty together. Right? I can't. That's that's unfair, really. Wow. Holy cow. Okay. Uh, that's why is it neighbors two she's pregnant? Yeah, neighbors two she's pregnant. She was really pregnant. Oh really? Uh 
Mm-hmm. Isn't she pregnant in the first one? Because that's the whole problem with the. Yeah. It, it's been a minute since I've seen those Got movies. Those are, those are fun. She's a person. She is an actress who almost oh, shouldn't be as funny. Like as she, she is because yeah, she's so. She, yes, yeah, because she's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's funny. That's great. That's great. Yeah, you can't be both. <laughs> yeah, like same thing with Bobby Cannavale. Like the man is an Adonis, and sure. he's fucking hysterical. He yeah, yeah, he knows he knows how to that's, play. It that's not fair. That's a, he was uh, your character in Glengarry Glen Ross on Broadway. Was he really? They revived it. I think I he was. Uh, I, I could see him as that played. part. That makes sense. Let's talk about another theme throughout this. How great is the special effects with shrunken Scott. Some of it is practical. They shot some of it with, <gasps> oh, uh, no with a mac- macro camera. Yeah. Oh, that's, it, yeah. that's awesome. It, it's, it works so well. And that's why it holds up. And cause you watch this on Disney plus, yeah, I'm assuming in yep, yep. 4k, nothing in this movie. I went, Hmm, that doesn't, uh, doesn't work anymore. So good. At, from the very first time he shrinks in the apartment, um, right through the, you know, the end battle, it works every single time. And they also pay homage to the comics. When he shrinks, there's that echo or almost like a shadow of him shrinking. And that's right from the comping. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, do you know that we have an appearance of the first person to portray Ant-Man in live action? The cab driver. Garrett Morris? He played him in a sketch on Saturday Night Live. Come on. That's what I... 100% 100% sure that's why he's in the movie. I did. So I, so Garrett Morris, obviously, no, I didn't I didn't know he had a sketch where he played Ant-Man. Because really when I saw the movie, I'm like, Garrett Morris? Him? That's really Okay, funny. and I looked it up, and I, I believe that's that's why he got the part. Huh. All right. Um, so, you know, linking to how well the special effects look. Um, oh, God. The final battle... Between Scott, Ant-Man, and Cross's yellow jacket. If you if you turned Toy Story into a battle zone, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what they got. Again, Edgar Wright doesn't stick, but I, I I feel like this is part of his influence on the film. And maybe this is that oh, kind sure. of tonal shift that you talked about with Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think that were all that action works so well and it yet at the same time it's so ridiculous as they're fighting you know it's i think it's summed up perfectly as yellow jack is cowers as he's about to be run over by a a train that of course just Thomas goes the tank Thomas engine, the tank engine Thank you very just much. goes boop, and pops off the track like it's this or when one of them falls into the uh, swimming pool it's the same thing just a yeah <laughs> into the swimming pool but but it's it's this wonderful almost like subversion so i I don't know if it's a subversion of the genre or if it is it's subverting our expectations or it's this weird juxtaposition of you know the stakes of what is some great action sequences and fights against this ridiculous backdrop of children's toys um i i think i think the message in this is you know you don't take any of this too seriously. Like we're gonna play it, we're gonna play it for tension and drama in this conflict. But at the same time, it's still a superhero movie. Don't take it too seriously. I think it's it is sure. a it is at the most extreme end of lightness of the MCU, um, which I think works beautifully 
you know, spoiler for the next MCU movie, Civil War, when Ant-Man shows up, he again provides so much levity and such a contrast, which as I've said so many times, right, like you have to have those dynamics of light and heavy so the heavy moments mean something, you know, and and we have a chance to breathe. I'd love to know what the thought was behind it. I love what they're doing, and I just love what we get in the film. I couldn't agree more. Scott is arrested after he tries to return the Ant-Man suit. No, I didn't steal anything. I was returning something I stole. After the debacle of almost being smushed by the 24-7 rave that is happening, uh, floor (laughs) below him. floor below him, yep. All that. And um, I, I do enjoy the... You can help me. I promise I can help you be with your daughter again. Now, are you ready to redeem yourself? Absolutely. My days of breaking into places and stealing shit are done. What do you want me to do? I want you to break into a place and steal some shit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Michael Douglas, another actor who you don't think of as, well, actually, that's not fair. I mean, if you grew up in the era of Romancing the Stone, as I did, which yes. is problematic w- for a number of reasons, but sure, he is fucking hilarious, and you're like, oh yeah, there it is. That's right. He's more the straight man in this one. Sure, sure. I mean, he he's delivering the the straight man jokes, um, but he's putting that uh, little bit of English on him, you know, to to give him that thing. So we get a training montage. When he's decided, and I, the one thing I want to point out is when all the ants swarm him. Yeah, and he quickly gets bigger and it pops <laughs> open. It's pure Paul Rudd. The that was a lot scarier a second ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Evangeline Lilly kicking the shit out of him. When your small energy's compressed, so you have the force of a two hundred pound man behind a fist a hundredth of an inch wide, you're like a bullet. You punch too hard, you kill someone too soft. It's a love tap. In other words, you have to know how to punch. I was in prison for three years. I know how to punch. Show me. Terrible. You want to show me how to punch? Show me. Boom! It punches him. That's how you punch. Some other dialogue happens. I love that Paul Rudd buttons it with. Were you going for the hand? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, also, in this montage, we see a incredibly jacked Paul Rudd. And yes. I just say, good for you, but fuck you. You... you be doughy L- like us. <laughs> L- listen, listen. He got his comeuppance. I, this just, this literally just popped up on my Google feed like yesterday, um, and it's a quote because uh, I think Quantum Mania is shooting right now in London. It is. Yep. And uh, he was saying, you know, he put all of this effort into this movie and the sequel, and then he said he's standing next to uh, Chris Hemsworth on this on the stage, and he's like, "What the fuck is the point? Why am I bothering?" Yeah. Feel, I feel you, brother. Just say fit. Okay. Yeah. Just say fit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I thought you were going to say say this to Jonathan Majors, because Jonathan Majors is also in incredible shape. Is he too. really? Oh, no. Yeah, he's got a shirtless scene in uh, The Heart yep. of They Fall, and I was like, good for you, man. <laughs> I'm sure it was probably in prep for being uh, King the Conqueror. Sure, sure, sure. So you talked about the training montage. And again, I think this goes back to they've got to do something to make this make us take this character seriously. They do a really nice job. Hank explains like why it's so critical that Scott masters the suit's abilities. It's got to become like his, his second nature. Mm-hmm. 
and he puts it together. So the the test says he wants Scott to jump at the closed door, shrink to pass through the keyhole, and then enlarge on the other side and do it seamlessly, which of course does not happen until you know much later in the montage. But later on in the big heist at um, you know w- when the stakes are for real, he does a beautiful job of shrinking, growing, shrinking, growing, and you're like, oh yeah, you know you set it up so wonderfully. The special effects work so well. And Paul Rudd, I, I can't imagine what that takes to perform that, playing it seriously. Like, how do you not feel ridiculous doing that? But boy, it wor- he makes it work. It looks so good. Uh, it does. That whole thing where he's fighting the two security guards running up the gun, and that's the test footage. Is it that really? what the test footage. Yeah, you can find it online. And it's just like, just like in uh, Deadpool where the whole bridge scene was the test footage that we saw for that. It's the same idea, just little tweaks to it, but it still very much feels Edgar Wright. This whole training montage feels like Edgar Wright secretly filmed this section of the film. You you could have dropped that into Hot Fuzz, like swapped mm -hmm. out the police gear for the superhero costume. It's got the same feel, right? The multiple takes of him slamming into the door, ending with Hope going, Useless. So one other thing I want to talk about, I think this is the last thing I want to talk about, is how great, and sadly he's, you know, from all appearances, seems to be a one-and-done villain, but the Yellow Jacket costume, the costume and cross, the character, pretty horrifying. Purposely, they made the Yellow Jacket costume completely CG. Oh, interesting. Paul Rudd is wearing the suit, Sands. It doesn't have the yellow here. Yep. Uh, or the, not the yellow, doesn't the have red. the red here. Yeah. It's it's open, and then they just color it later. Same thing with Sam's goggles. He's never actually had anything oh, she, in front of his probably, eyes. Probably otherwise, you're dealing with glare from lights. Glare, and all that stuff. Yeah. making the the actor might not be able to see everything because red can really oh, fuck sure, with sure. you. So they purposely did that to have him have a practical suit, seem more grounded and real. And they gave uh, Yellow Jacket full CG so that it seemed futuristic and a little off. Oh, that's interesting. It it, it works it makes sense. so it, well when he yep. pops up in the helicopter. Um, he's he's kind of horrifying. You know, it, it's almost yep. like a little bit of a shift in the tone of the movie because it we have had had you know we've had all this lightness uh, in comedy with with Scott. Um, it's it's a nice contrast and. Corey Stoll's you know wonderful actor and boy he's horrifying. Corey Stoll has that way of screaming that I can only equate to like like hard death metal rock. <laughs> like being able to do that that kind of scream. Yeah, that you know? me- that metal shriek. Yeah, yeah. That but it it works. You're never like oh that's a little too far. Like he's never out of character in any of the yelling that he does in the movie. Yeah, especially since most of the yelling is done when he has the yellow jacket suit on and he keeps getting bigger and smaller. It makes perfect sense. It's fucking with his brain. I'm 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 with it. I'm I'm with it the whole time. I mean, um, during going back to the montage for a quick second yeah. for all you Lost fans out there, uh, do you think the whole uh, hope not wanting to hear the plane crash story again was a little ode to old Lost? Listen, Hope, your mother went down Oceanic Flight 815. It's no big deal. Kink shaming. What? Oh, got it. Okay, yeah, got oh. it. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we cannot skip. Okay. The thing that um, 
Scott be. needs to steal from uh, the warehouse as oh, his first test. Yes. Oh, it's not actually a warehouse. It is Avengers Campus. Oh, my God. You son of a bitch. Good call out. Let's not skip how wonderful Anthony Mackie is in this whole scene with Falcon. Falcon versus Ant-Man. Oh, my God. He can't see me. I can see you. He can see me. Hi. I'm Scott. Cut to hope. Did he just say, hi, I'm Scott? (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Delightful scene that works so well. The fight, you know, Scott kind of in, you know, using his ingenuity, his, uh, his experience messes with the Falcon suit. At the end of it, of course, Scott has successfully stolen the signal blocker, you know, the MacGuffin they need for the heist. And as... Sam reports in that the guy's gone. It's really important to me that Cap never finds out about this. <laughs> I like that. And also we'll see him use both the ways he takes out uh, Falcon during parts of the fight. Yeah. In Civil War. Sure. So, yeah, let's get to the heist. Let's let's we, we've kind of glossed over the first hour and a half of this movie. Let's focus on the heist. All right. Simply because Luis has one of my favorite moments in the movie. I'm the bullet ants. Papanera, Clarina, Marina, Marina. I don't remember what it's called, but I feel bad for this guy. So, man, done. And then he, he punches him, takes him down. He's like, See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. walks by. He's like, unfortunate casualty. In a very serious operation. The heist has all been set up by Darren. Uh, like you said, uh, Douchebag McGee is working for Hydra. Darren thinks they've got some really great new Nazi things to do. That's right. I feel like when Hank gets shot, do you feel like it was originally written that he died? And then they went back in like, no, we can't help kill Hank? Uh, I, I actually, and again, I clearly haven't watched this in a long time. I was like, wait, is he wearing a vest? Because Hank's... Smart was he? Yeah, was he prepared? But no, he was not. He got shot. Clearly, the writers of this movie uh, are of an age to have "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids" affect them because <laughs> they spend a lot of time on the lead ant that Scott names Antony's uh, death, like with the single <laughs> wing falling yeah. down. I'm like, look, you'll pay for that. I I cried at "Honey, I Shrunk the Kid." I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, oh, when Darren shows up at Hank's apartment. The night before, when they realize, oh shit, we've got to move quicker. Yeah, his house. Or two yeah. nights before. That's where you were saying that he's the most sympathetic, but I think he's dressed the most super villainy during he, that scene. He totally is. He <laughs> is full super villain at this moment. Yeah, mo- black motorcycle jacket. Yeah. Yeah, black gloves, high. I mean, he's Lex Luthor. And, right? w- which, of course, you know, we find out why. You know, l- later he would he went there to kill Hank, but Hope was there, mm-hmm. and he wasn't ready he to kill he, Hope yet. Yeah, he knew it all. I mean, it's it's a real it's it brings him to Ozymandias level. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He knew it all, but his arrogance, much like Ozymandias, his arrogance gets in the way. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Both. So when Scott escapes jail. Because that has to do with my next note. When Scott escapes jail and the ants count down 10, 9, 8, and he starts to put the suit on, mm-hmm. when you see him in the full suit but one glove, it's at four. Like he got all, he got that entire suit on in four seconds. He was very motivated. Very motivated. And same thing. Darren gets the, the, um, 
Yellow jacket suit. Uh, yellow jacket suit on super fucking quick. <laughs> I'm like, does it also pause time? Right. Are we skipping this part? Uh, so, yeah, they fight. He has to go into the quantum realm, which um, Hank told him never to do. That's how they lost Janet. We find that out. You don't ever cross the streams. Clearly. <clears throat> you never cross the streams. He sees a figure in the quantum realm that he thinks is Janet. Uh, he comes back out. He fucks with um, the yellow jacket uh, suit. Yeah, the regulator on that very horrific death. Yeah, he starts to shrink like disproportionately. Like one arm goes. Yeah, it was pretty horrifying. It was. Um, and uh, during the fight, one of the ants gets enlarged. <laughs> I did love when it runs by and uh, Bobby Cannavale's partner. That's a messed up looking dog. So in the end, they um, he's free, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got a job now. I don't know. How, oh, oh, it's that um, we get another wonderful Luis um, oh. monologue. All right. Here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Just give me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple. No, 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 no doubt, no doubt. Okay, so I'm at this art museum with my cousin Ignacio, right? And there was this like abstract expressionism exhibit. But you know me, I'm more like a neo-cubist kind of guy, right? But there was this one Rothko that was sublime, bro. Oh my God. Luis. Okay, sorry, sorry. I, I just, you know, uh, I just get excited and stuff. But anyway, anyway, and Ignacio tells me, yo, I met this crazy fine writer chick at the spot last night. Like, fine, fine, like crazy stupid fine. And he goes up to the bartender and goes, look at the girl I'm with. You know what I'm saying? She's crazy stupid fine, right? And the bartenders are all like, yeah, crazy stupid fine. So this writer chick tells Ignacio, yo, I'm like a boss in the world of guerrilla journalism, and I got mad connects with the peeps behind the curtains, you know what I'm saying? Ignacio's like, for real? And she's like, yeah. You know what? I can't tell you who my contact is because he works with the Avengers. Oh, no. Yeah, and this dude sounds like a badass, man. Like, he comes up to him and says, yo, I'm looking for this dude who's new on the scene, who's, like, flashing this fresh tack, who's got, like, bomb moves, right? Who you got? And she's like, well, we got everything nowadays. We got a guy who jumps. We got a guy who swings. We got a guy who crawls up the walls. You got to be more specific. And he's like, I'm looking for a guy that shrinks. And I'm like, damn, I got all nervous because I keep mad secrets for you, bro. So I asked Ignacio, did the badass tell the stupefied writer chick to tell you to tell me because I'm tight with that man that he's looking for him? And what do you say? He said yes. So the the credits. And, oh oh. What and and movie? Sure, but wait. We'll get two credits. credits, right? So we'll get a mid credit scene. This one, you know, for a while, there's no real formula for the, the Marvels. Sometimes they are. There's one that advances the larger plot, and there's one that's just funny or delightful. This one both advanced the plot. So the first one is... Sort of, yeah. Oh, no, 100%. So the first one is uh, Hank and Hope are downstairs in his basement, his lab there. He brings Hope over to his vault. He opens it, and there is a wasp suit. It's a prototype that he had worked on with Janet, but he realized they were really working on it for Hope. It's about damn time. Clearly, we're going to get the wasp, which, of course, the next movie is. Uh, then our second scene is directly out of Captain America: Civil War. It is, yep. which is they they trim it they trim it up a little, but there's stuff in here that's mentioned. It's it's much like we just saw the Eternals, and mm-hmm. no spoilers for that. But yep. the two end credits, okay, a tiniest spoiler. There's two end credit scenes. Uh, one advances. That's not a spoiler. That's a public service announcement. 
stay for both of them. <laughs> That's true. The first one advances the Eternals plot. Mm-hmm. The second one opens up more of the Marvel Universe. I think these two do the same thing. Yeah. First one advances so that we, we know we're getting Wasp in the next movie. Yep. The next one moves us into the larger universe. The Sokovia Accords are mentioned for the first time. Bucky is chained to a wench for some reason. I mean, there's a whole bunch of shit going on here. Oh, no. Much his, like hand, the, his hand is in like a vice press. I'm sorry, a yeah, vice yeah, press, yeah, not yeah. a wench. A, yeah. a vice press. And he seems like he's almost there. And at the end of it, it's Captain America, Sam, and Bucky. And at the end of it, Cap's like, we're on our own. Maybe not. Sam just takes a beat. I know a guy. And right after it says that, giant uh, block letters, Ant-Man will return. Yep. And that is movie. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you, I'll say it again. From saying, I'm not even going to watch this one in the theaters to now, how wrong I was. This is a delightful movie. I went in with the lowest fucking expectations the first time I saw this. In fact, when I got home... Danny was still up, and she was like, how was it? I was like, it was really good. It was great, even. And she goes, really? <laughs> like, nobody expected this to be the thing that it was. No, no. You know, at least Guardians of the Galaxy had taken a team that many people, myself included, didn't know every member of the team. Um, nope. or Or certainly knew who they were, but had never read a single story with them. Uh, the only two that I knew prior to that, I think I said it in the episode, yeah. are Rocket and Groot, because I was like, it's a giant sentient tree and a, a raccoon. raccoon yeah. How are you going to miss those two people? So, I, you know, my expectations weren't high for Guardians of the Galaxy, but at least they had this amazing cosmic, you know, space story around it. With Ant Man, yeah, yeah. What yeah. do you do? You know, how do you make this interesting? How do I care about this goofy character? Holy shit, was I wrong? Well, they did it. And this movie was delightful on every level but uh much like every episode we've got a couple of questions we sure do motherfucker i had them here and now they're gone Mm, okay hey tom yes yes who was your favorite character i mean hands down we love this character because of paul rudd scott lang paul rudd ant-man hands down how about you sure um. Yeah. Now, now yeah, listen, it's going to be Paul. That said, there's so much to love. I I would have been okay with others, but you got to give him credit for making this character real. Yeah, a hundred percent. You got to make sure you give the love to the right person here. Now, Casey, what is the best scene in the movie? Fuck, it's the scene we didn't talk about. Ah. I remember at the beginning, I'm like, hey, there's a specific scene. Before the heist starts. Yep. The final heist. Yes. Um, Scott goes to visit Cassie. Oh, when she's asleep, yeah. And at first, I'm like, okay, here comes the scene where he's going to wake her up and be like, hey, I love you, schmaltzy. I get so emotionally moved by the fact that it's just him watching his sleeping daughter and being like this is why i'm doing this yeah. this is the end game is for cassie and in fact you that know, was exa- that was exactly the hook that hank used to, right yep. we're doing this for our daughters for them it was it's so good no words are said the music isn't even that 
influential into the feelings that you get from it. It's just the loving look Paul Rudd is giving yeah. in that scene. You're like, fuck, this is good stuff. It's small acting in a superhero movie, and it's it's really sweet. Yeah, it really I'm works. Gonna, I'm going to eat it up every time because yeah. I love the big boisterous of a, of a superhero movie. But if you give me this small moment in a superhero movie, oh, my God, it's going to be my favorite yeah. scene. Uh I'm going to have a tough one with this. You know, you could throw a dart and hit a, a million moments that I love. Um, you know, the final heist, the, you know, the, the Ocean's Eleven part is just delightful. Uh, the, the battle with Yellowjacket is fun. It might be, though, it might be Luis's first story. <laughs> That's great. You know, I mean, it's just fun. It's just fun. Because it's so out of like the second time when it when it builds up the music swells you're like oh here, here comes go. another yeah, one yeah, that yeah. first time it happens you're sitting there the whole time going what is what happening, is happening? Like, this is amazing I don't know what it is but I know I love it yeah mm hmm um I, I think I know I know what my I definitely know mine we didn't even bother talking about it but what's one scene you would cut mm. you know the movies it, it's uh it's about two hours with the credits it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it drags. I, I, I don't know that there's anything I would cut. I mean, I, the movie works really well for me. I'd cut the lamb. Oh, okay. The lamb getting turned to In goo. The la- well, you know, jelly is often mint jelly is often served with lamb, so they just. Well, it's funny you say that because the day they shot that scene, the crew's lunch was rack of lamb. Of course, it was. That's funny. <laughs> and th- th- they didn't know. Of course, they didn't know what they were shooting. But they said the cast and crew were like it was the most awkward lunch <laughs> of all time. Oh, that's funny. We all just ate in silence. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, well, Casey, uh, and actually, this might be a tough one. Who is the actor having the most fun? Oh man, is it David Dasmachian? Is, is it Michael it, Pena? It is. Is it, it Ti? I mean. It's not T.I. I'm not going to give him anything. I'm not saying he's right to have fun, but he looks like he's having fun. He, didn't, he doesn't get to have, Well, he's not going to be in the third one, so uh, I guess okay. joke's on him. Um, I'm going to give it to David. Because I, I would say Paul. T.I.? No, oh, David. No, oh, David. Sorry, sorry. Das Macho. Yeah, the actor. Um, yeah, the actor, not the sure, character. Sure, sure, sure. Um, because I would give it to Paul Rudd because he's having a blast, but there's also a lot of work he's sure, doing in this sure. film. I mean, he is yep. he is carrying this film from start to finish. Um, so he may have had moments of fun, but there's also a lot riding That's on true. him. Oh, I think. Oh, I didn't even mention Paul Rudd has a writing credit on this as well. Sure, yeah. sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, well, y- y- so totally fine with David. You know, I would also probably point to Michael Pena. Um, Sure. Yeah, you know, he's a character. He doesn't have to go to any dark places, right? Like it's. I'm in the system. Yeah. <laughs> and um, your girlfriend is really hot. I'm sorry. Uh, you are a very gorgeous woman. Uh, or your daughter. And your I daughter. Just, or no, he's uh, saying this guy. Your girlfriend. Yeah. And I love all three of their reactions. Like, yeah. Hope, like, oh shit, am I showing that I am? Because in the end, they do end up hooking up. Right, and right. Uh, I, I do, I, I did like that scene where Michael or, uh, Hank opens the door, and he's like, "Oh, I was just," uh, and he goes to leave, and uh, Hank, "You're so full of shit, Scott." Yep, I, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, I am. That's right. I am. Yep. I am. Uh, all right. Uh, 
Okay. So, uh, once again, mm. the IMDb score for this movie was a 7.3 yeah. out of 10. Casey, how say you? I'm going to put it at a 9.3. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty damn good. It's you, pretty damn good. You know, and put it in the same way that the goofiness of Batman the Movie 66, but it knows what it wants to be and it executes perfectly. This movie executes mm-hmm. perfectly. Yep, 100%. 100%. You know, like... The villain, it, it, yes, what Hank did was was shitty, but also like if you if you're hired as a protege, it's not a given that you get to keep that job forever. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And See Casey two and a half months ago. I, <laughs> <laughs> Getting <laughs> oh, sorry about that, but you know Hank yeah, is right. Whatever. You know he's validated by the fact that Cross you know, does have the potential to go too far and risk it. Yeah. And despite the Absolutely. danger. Yeah. So Hank yeah, is yeah. ultimately Cross's reasoning yeah. are fucking weak sauce. I mean, boo hoo. You, you didn't get exactly what you wanted right away. I, I mean, I just watched uh Shazam the other, uh, when we were in Colorado with Christian and Lillian, Lillian mm-hmm. had not seen Shazam. So <sighs> the night that we were having a night in, I was like, well, I know what we're watching. Um, did and, she love it? Oh yeah, she did. But uh, the wonderful Mark Strong, uh, mm-hmm. Professor Sylvana, Doctor Sylvana, Professor Professor Sylvana, um, same thing. Like, hey, sorry that you weren't worthy, but you weren't worthy. Like to your point, you're not in, you're not guaranteed anything. Yeah, just because you're white doesn't. Well, let's not go down that road. Um, <laughs> instead, Todd, it is that magical time in the evening. Well, not quite. Yes, it is. No. Hey, Casey. We did the IMDb score. Yeah, we did. Um, Now, we're often asked as fathers, hey, Casey. Oh. Can we watch this movie with our kids? (laughs) Sure. I'd say yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I tried to get the bean to watch it. She wasn't interested. But there's no, except for, you know what? I I was, we had to delay uh, recording. We had a scheduling thing. I was re-watching it last night, and... The Bean came in and out a couple times, was there for a couple things, but Danny was watching it, and it's a movie she's seen before. Yeah. And the only thing I would say, maybe, Skip, if you've got some little sensitive uh, eyes and ears, Skip, uh, the the lamb being turned to goo. Okay, sure, sure. That's for a bit a, much. Uh, for that's that, a for bit kid much. My, yeah, yeah, like, that's fair. Well, that's fair. for my wife, she asked me to fast forward. Got it. Actually, okay. I went to, she's like, can you fast forward? I'm like, no, no, the goo one already happened. This one's just going to shrink. She goes. Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you're fine. Got it. <laughs> like, right, okay. Uh, but yeah, this is, uh, we took the kids, you know, when this came out and they loved it. And sure. Yeah, it's a fun Absolutely. Movie. Yep. This is up there with, you know, when we get to it, uh, the spoiler, the Bean saw Captain Marvel in the theater. This is Captain Marvel level of violence. Yeah. This is not yeah. too crazy. Yeah. It, and it's, you know, full acknowledgement. Obviously, there are guns and gunfire, but it almost feels different. First of all, it's kind of funny when Cross is firing at the ant swarm. Which amazingly, he does manage to hit Antony, which is ironic. Yeah, but what, a, it, but, what a hell of a shot in the dark. <laughs> yeah, but the irony of like you're using a gun against a swarm of ants. I mean, it's just it's a little bit ridiculous oh, on the face. Also, when they're shooting at Ant Man in the in the model, yeah, yeah, is totally sending up the what we call destruction porn that happened in earlier movies. Sure, things are being destroyed and a whole city is being destroyed, but it's a fucking. It's model. a tabletop model. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, now, Casey, you're right. All right. Now we are at the magical part now of the evening. we are. Where st- you shall tell us what we are watching. And I feel like after this, maybe I give you the, the movie slips back. Is it? Is it 
no, 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 it's yours for no, it's, no, it's nice mine try. for a while. All right, okay, maybe for oh, maybe for Christmas you'll get these. Uh, bags. and okay. now it's time to pick the next movie from Thor's helmet. I have here in my hands a slip of paper, okay, and I will right. glance just to see, like, is it a big t- title? Uh, so it's more words, it's not MCU, it's not DCEU. So I will read, god damn it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, I love these moments. What is it? You love these moments? How much? I love the moments where you say, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, hold on. Because you say bad movies make for a good podcast. This is a movie I'm going to be, I'm just going to be angry about. Okay. Oh. Well, we've already done Howard the Duck, so. So, you know what I can tell you is going to be, uh, you know what I can tell you is that our next episode is going to be one of those episodes where we're talking about everything about the movie because it's our third dip into a series where the first one was so good. The second one, we asked the question, why would they make it? And yet they made a third. We will be watching the twenty, the 2000 The Crow Salvation. Uh, well, the good thing is, wait. It had a theatrical. Wait. We we checked this, it. No, nope, we 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 checked. This it. is the last one. This is the last one, right? After this, they're all direct to video. Uh, it's followed in two thousand five by the Crow Wicked Prayer, which uh, was this the direct to video? I mean, yeah, I think Salvation one hundred percent had a. Uh, is this the one with Furlong? Uh. No, this is Kirsten Dunst and Eric. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, William Atherton. William Atherton. He's not the crow. He's way too uh, old to be the crow. Oh, sorry. He's Nathan Randall. Uh, Eric yeah. Mabius plays Alex Corvus. <sighs> that guy looks familiar. Oh, that's why I recognize him. He's 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 the football player that uh, Joshua Jackson's character hooks up with. In uh, Cruel Intentions. Never saw it. Oh, my God. It's because he's like telling the story of he's he's this closeted football player. And he's telling this story about how he had this girl sucking his dick and all this stuff. And he gets on the phone. He's trying to blackmail. He gets on the phone. And he's like, hello. And um, <laughs> and Joshua Jackson, like, goes into that ter- stereotypical gay. Hello, Greg. It's and he's like, uh, I told you, told you to have you call me on this number. Oh my! Uh, oh, I got even worse news for you. Uh, so this no, one, no. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. So, uh, you know, our, we our misery will not end with this movie. The so the next movie, The Crow, Wicked Prayer, had a one week theatrical premiere before b- being released to video. So. We're watching this. You know, this isn't even the last Crow movie we're going to watch. Fuck. Kirsten Dunst, William Atherton, Debbie Fan, Eric Mabius, Grant Showed, David Jean Thomas. I'm looking, I mean, oh, and I'm, oh, Walton Goggins is in this. I mean, I'm going to apologize <laughs> now for every actor. Look, I'm glad you got cast in it because I'm, sh- you know, as a working actor or actress, good for you. But fuck, I do not want to watch this movie. Uh, Hang on. I'm, I'm not seeing. Uh, hang on, let me just do a quick uh, search of the high seas. See how we'll hard this f- we'll is to find. find. I'm sure we'll find it. No problem. Fuck. 
God, I don't want to watch this movie. <laughs> well, the good thing is, uh, dear Army, we have some time because we're going to take our holiday break now. We won't be back until January 14th is when we will release this episode. You know, I thought we deserved something better for Christmas. Clearly, I was wrong. We did. It was called Ant-Man. Listen. This is, this is, this is our shitty New Year's. I, uh, <laughs> I'm calling an audible. I don't even want to watch the trailer for this. I'll drop it in. I don't want to watch it. No, we're not. We're not. Well, I don't even care if we play. No, we got to watch it. We're gonna. We got to. It's bad enough. We're gonna watch the movie. I'm. Yeah. I'm saying this now. I'm not watching this trailer. I'm not watching it. I'll watch the movie when I have to for the episode, and then I plan to talk about it for probably about 15 minutes, which is probably going to be 15 minutes of me bitching about this movie. But Casey, do you want to make a? I... So Casey, do you want to make a guess at the IMDb? rating for this movie the crow 4.9 it is a 4.9 i don't know how you did that. i saw it oh, i saw it i saw it because i was trying to find if it was streaming oh you you, you want to hear so again we're not there yet but you want to you want to take a guess at what the crow wicked prayer starring uh edward furlong is rated out of 10 oh that's got to be in a in the three or two 3.0 yeah <laughs> Oh me. my God in heaven! Oh, Tara Reid is in the next one. Oh, David she is. David Boreans, yeah, Boreanis, Boreanis, Danny Trejo. There's actually, I feel worse. I'm gonna feel worse for the next movie because there's people in the next one that I like. <laughs> All right, so next time we will spend a little time on that, and you know what? Who knows? We'll just who knows what what wonders we're gonna bring? You know, we'll talk about the wonderful beer advent calendar. We'll talk about highlights mm. from that. We'll shoot the shit, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess watch. No, we the won't. Movie we won't talk want. about the the beer advent calendar. We won't. We still won't have it. Yeah, but we're, re- oh, we're recording we're, this next week. Oh, we're recording this next week. Fuck. Okay. Yes, we Remember, are. We're we're trying yes. to get ahead. No, no, again. no. You're, yep, so, yep, yep. Again. So we're doing. Oh no! Next week is Nim. Nim. Next week's Nim. Then we'll do Crow. So at least the next time we record, we will have started the beer advent calendar because it'll be after. Because December 1st starts the calendar. Right? Oh, you're right. So next week we will do NIM. So we'll have a good one then. So you're absolutely right. And then we're off Thanksgiving. So Todd, yes, you're right. We will have had two beers from the (laughs) advent calendar, which I will drink before we start recording for this episode because, fuck, I'm not. Yep. Okay. I can't listen. This is this is our plight. This we is, chose, we chose this path. This is the, we could have said. This is the life we've chosen. That the crow isn't a superhero movie. By the way, uh, they're not. <laughs> I mean, the first one, you know, skirted Barely. was close enough. Yeah, and then yeah. All right. Oh, so uh, hey, f- it's just it's going to be the same. Fu- I'm going to say it now. It's going to be the same fucking story again. That, that good. He's well, wrongfully murdered, and he fucking goes on a rampage. He John Wicks an entire group of people. Fuck. Can we talk about John Wick instead? Listen, we might. I, I make no guarantees on what we're going to talk about. I have a feeling it's not going to be much of the Crow Salvation. But God, we'll see. fucking damn it. All right. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm so fucking mad right now. I hear you. Okay. So, uh, Todd. Casey. If people want to share in their sympathy of us having to watch another fucking Crow movie. Yeah. And they want to message us, where can they find you 
on the social medias. Uh, Instagram or Twitter with the handle at TMP and SYR. Hey, Casey, where can people find you in said social media? On Twitter, I am not Ryan Casey. On Instagram, I'm not dot Ryan Casey. The podcast itself also has a Twitter and Instagram, which is Instagram Superpod HeroCast, Twitter TSPHC Tweets. You can also email us at superpodherocast at gmail.com because only Cap writes letters. Tony. Music for the podcast comes to us from two places. Our theme song is Take a Chance by Kevin McLeod. Find his music at incompetech.com. Our beer music is Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. You can find his music at silvermansound.com. So that'll do it for the Super Pod Hero Cast for this year. <laughs> Bad joke. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. And I've been your moderator, Dan Ryan. Be heroic. heroic. We'll see you next year. Look, all he said was. <laughs> wow, usually I go really dark. You got it on this one. <laughs> Oh, that's not staying in the episode. That was just for you, buddy. Oh, I hope it stays. I know it won't, but I wish it would.